It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And good morning and welcome to the James Golden Program. Bo Snurdly is off this morning. It's me, Anthony Weiner, joining you. I'll be taking you for three hours or so today, taking you to 10 a.m., and then we bring in Larry Kudlow. So great to have you along this morning. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We have Nick running the board, Avery taking your calls. All that, the famous crew that I always listen to every Saturday morning. For those of you surprised to hear my voice, it's a great opportunity for me. I really want to thank James Golden for giving me this chance. John and Margot Katsimatidis, many of you are used to hearing me a little later in the day. But this program is the one that we all wake up to. I don't know if I'll be dancing. In many ways, James and I are indistinguishable from one another. We look identical. Our politics are the same. So maybe you won't even notice the difference. But it's so great to have you along. If you're tuning in on Terrestrial Radio, 77 WABC, 50,000 watts of clear channel, all up and down the eastern seaboard, WABCradio.com. You can always hear us on the app. When this program is over, it's uploaded as a podcast. There is no end to ways you can get this program, and it's really great to have you along. If you want to reach out to me directly, I am on Twitter at at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. The Facebook page is called Anthony D. Wiener, I believe. And I now have that new thing, Threads, but I've got like no followers. I think my Threads name is Anthony D. Wiener. I don't know. All I need, for those of you who know my history, I've had nothing but problems with social media, so I'm not eager to be in there. But it is really great to have you along. It is, by the standards of our country, a fairly balmy day here in New York City. I biked here from my home in the East Village, took a city bike here. I do like the rhythm of the city in the summer. It's calm, not a lot of cars on the road, the riffraff is all out of town in the Hamptons or whatever. But the rest of the country's on fire, like literally, almost literally. Las Vegas, it said in the post today, Las Vegas might hit 117 degrees today. I mean, Vegas is never a great place in the summer. With all that air conditioning inside, I need a, I need someone who understands meteorology. How come it doesn't rain when the doors open, when the low pressure eats, meets the high pressure outside? 170 degrees down in Florida. The water off of the coast of Florida is now knocking on the door of 90 degrees, the water in the Atlantic Ocean. Look, we don't got to get bogged down in global warming, global climate change or whatnot, even if you don't believe in any of that stuff. And I do, and I think scientists are pretty much on the same page on that. But even if you don't believe in any of that stuff, something's going on here. Fires burning in Canada Water boiling in Florida, even if you're, like, not sure, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It is tough out there. And it is a tough time for New York baseball fans. For those of you who have heard me before, I am a Mets fan. This is 
turning out to be a brutal year. You know, they, we, they got a little sniff of maybe things were turning around before the All-Star break. I think they won five in a row or six in a row. They did get fat on teams that weren't playing that well. All that being said, but first game back, the All-Star break, Verlander falls apart, gives up six walks. The Mets only put up one hit against L.A. L.A.'s a good team, but still, they're not showing any signs of life. I think we have to start to acknowledge what had been pretty obvious, that this is going the way of all things for the for the Mets. And then the Yankees, not much better. The Yankees dropped into last place in the AL East. I mean, they have a little bit of a easier path just to get into the playoffs because it's a little bit of a... I mean, a little bit of a, they're closer, at least, in terms of how many games under 500 they are. But they can't hit, they can't hit, they can't hit a lick. So it's not great out there if you're a baseball fan, but I'm glad you're here joining us on the radio. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden, be here till till 10 a.m. And I still, we'll still be on later with, with Curtis. I, I do the middle every Saturday from 2 to 3, and then Curtis Slew and I, who you heard this morning, talk about the Gilgo Beach crimes, he knows it a lot better than I do. A lot of news, you know, usually this time of the summer, kind of weird issues take off, you know. Cocaine in the White House is an example. But there's a lot of news this week, and we're going to cover some of it. We welcome your calls, 800-84-WABC, 800-84-9222. A very interesting week, the NATO summit. I want to talk about that a little bit because while we were all not really paying attention, what was going on in Helsinki, some very important things were for the national security of the United States of America, some good things. Some crazy things going on in the Hunter Biden case. Again, for those of you who are uninitiated, I am someone on the left who takes the Hunter Biden thing very seriously. I try to be a, I try to be an honest broker on it. I mean, there's a lot there. And I try to read up on all of it and under, kind of separate out the wheat from the chaff, but some things going on in the Biden case. Um, I mean, look, the summary of that case for me is Hunter Biden did a whole bunch of stuff, traded on his dad's name, did a bunch of lobbying, took money from places he shouldn't have, made deals trading on his dad's name and everything else. Obviously did some things in the midst of addiction, something I can relate to. But so far, the information about whether and how it touches Joe Biden has been wafer thin, like almost non-existent. And now the new part of the case is, you know, what what the prosecutor in Delaware decided to do. Um, there's some controversy around that. And next week, there are going to be more hearings. So we're going to talk about that a little later in the program, um, a little later in the program as well. But I want to start out today talking about an issue that I think is kind of – it's a political one that kind of hasn't gotten a lot of notice. Hasn't got a lot of notice here on the airwaves at ABC and, frankly, is just starting to bubble up out in the world. And it goes back to this idea that Donald Trump and Joe Biden, who I think are both going to be the nominees of their respective parties, are both unpopular in the country. Both of them are. And together they make up probably the most unpopular pairing of candidates ever to stand for president. Now, don't get me wrong. All the time when people are asked in polls, would you rather someone else runs, answers are always like that. They're always yes. You know, because we have kind of what I call the backup quarterback syndrome when we look at politics. We always think the backup quarterback is better than the one we have on the field. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. But 
this year something interesting is happening that, nope, that not, is not getting a lot of attention. Everyone's focusing on these polls, Biden v. Trump, and they're close. It looks pretty – and they should be, right, because there hasn't been a lot that has changed the dynamic. We're a very partisan country, 45-45-10, I think. 45% that will be Republican no matter what happens. 45% that will be Democrat no matter what happens. And 10% somewhere in the middle that even they have partisan leanings, but that's where the election gets run. You know, pick up, pick a demographic, suburban women, whatever it is. You can come up with a hundred different ways to, to slice what that 10% is, but it's basically people who generally don't vote, vote in, in off, in off year elections and who vote in presidential elections and do have a move, do tend to move a little more. Call them independents. What do you want to call them? So we focus a lot on those polls and those polls basically say that it's a close race. On average, Biden is up by a couple of points. And remember, that's what Biden won by last time. He won by four or five million votes, a couple of percentage points, 52-48. So there shouldn't be a lot that changes. Sure, there's new information about Trump. There's new information about Biden. But for the, the 45-45-10 part hasn't changed all that much. But without much notice, something is going on on the Democratic side that could be a deal breaker for this election. And that is the idea of third parties getting involved. And the one that is the weirdest is this thing called no labels. And no labels right now, it's basically just a pack. They say they're going to choose candidates. They're raising money. They're raising money. They're not telling who where the money came from. They're, they're not an actual campaign yet. They're like kind of organizing like a campaign. They don't say what they believe in, but it's based on what people say. They're, they're, you know, they raise tens of millions of dollars. And it looks like a lot of that money, although it's not completely transparent because you don't have to be when you're raising money for a super PAC. This is what they call dark money. But it does look like they're looking for like conservative, independent kind of thing. You know, it looks like they're being funded by a lot of big business interests, a lot of hedge funds, things like that. When you start to put them in a poll, not a specific candidate, which is always dangerous, but things like a moderate, um, a moderate independent candidate. Then it becomes um, Trump beats Biden, and these no-labels people get like 20%. Now, we do have some history with this, and it's, it's history that has hurt both sides, or you can argue. But, but recently, it's been very bad history for, for Democrats. If you remember back in 2000, without any ex- argument, I think, Ralph Nader cost Al Gore Florida. Um, go back before that, you got Ross Perot. It's hard to say. There's, there, you know, you'll have – Political scientists arguing about this forever. What happened in '92 and where those where Perot's votes came from and went to? They maybe those that helped Democrats. It's not really clear. Since we were, since uh, um, since Clinton was running against an incumbent, um, it's not really clear. That, you know, anytime you have someone taking votes away uh, uh, um, from an incumbent, obviously, and I mean, I, I think I think it helped Clinton. You can make an argument, but the real interesting point is what happened in 2016, and we all remember. Well, we, I don't know if we do. We all remember this um, this character, Stein, Jill Stein. So Jill Stein, she got 460,000 votes. Like 1% of the vote went to her, and it was the difference, and she ran on the Green Party line. It was the difference in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. And unlike Ross Perot, where you're like, where does that come from? The Green Party ticket <laughs> wasn't taking money away from uh, money, wasn't taking votes away from Donald Trump. So Jill Stein, people say, oh, Anthony Weiner and his laptop, John, Jim Comey, what a bad candidate Hillary was, whatever those things are, you've got to add to that list this third party that 
was run uh, by Jill Stein that that uh, had more than the difference in the number of votes in those three swing states, which turned out to tip the election. So fast forward to 2024, you have a Green Party candidate again, and he's much better known than um, than Jill Stein was. His name is Cornell West. He's a professor and an African-American professor, very articulate, interesting guy, no matter how, you know, you go watch some of his videos, he's interesting one way or the other in that same kind of way that, you know, he, he understands the messaging. But it's a it's an appeal to the far left. It's an appeal to, to people who think that Joe Biden is not left enough. And I know, God, I hear it all the time here on 77 Talk Radio WABC. Oh, J- J- Joe Biden's a socialist. No, remember, he was chosen in 2020 in a field of candidates running to their left. He was chosen because he was seen as the most moderate. So there are a lot of elements of the, of the Democratic Party who might say that he hasn't done enough. This is Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're talking about what I think is an undercovered story in the 2024 presidential race. So now we have have Cornell West, and he's, you know, his slogans are all about, you know, warmongering in Ukraine, African-Americans being taken advantage of by the Democratic Party. Basically, it's an appeal to the left. It does not take much. It doesn't take much in a Biden-Trump rematch to be the difference. And we can watch all the indictments and we can watch Joe Biden trip upstairs and we can watch Hunter Biden and all these things. If we are not keeping an eye on what's going on with those third-party candidates, um, or this one in particular, and then the, and then there's the no-labels thing. And the no-labels thing should make everyone nervous, but mostly Democrats. Who are, who, are their, who are their candidates? They don't have one. They refuse to say. They say they're going to have a convention. But who are they talking to? Joe Manchin, a Democrat from heavily now Republican West Virginia. Kristen Sinema, a Democrat who has been the, the thorn in the side of Joe Biden ever since she got to the Senate and is now trailing in a three-way, you know, she's going to run as an independent in her state of Arizona if she doesn't run for president. So the people that they're talking to, are Democrats who are conservative Democrats who, again, might peel off votes from Joe Biden, or at least that's what's suspected. And it's very hard to tell. It's completely opaque who they are, what they believe, and everything else. So when you see all these polls that say, okay, Biden by two, Biden by three, Trump by one, whatever else, if you see that it adds up to about 100 and they haven't included any third parties in there, you should immediately be suspicious of those polls. And from here on out, and it's not that far away, the Republicans are going to have their first debate in August. I think Iowa happens in early January or, or, or February, or somewhere in that early part of next year. We are not that far away from this thing getting going in, in, in full. And there's been a lot of attention to the stuff that I don't think matters that much. Yeah, DeSantis is not doing great. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, Trump's going to be the nominee. Biden raising gobs of money, you know, announced yesterday he raised twice as much as Trump did. You know, is Biden going to make it to the starting line? The issues, you know, how's the economy doing? The economy's doing well. The economy's doing well. The inflation rate's down to 3%, which, you know, and 2% is what, what the Fed targets. So, 
But I don't think any of that is going to matter. If you get a troublemaking third party in the race, we are going to be right back to where we were in 2016 if we're Democrats. And you're going to see the Democrats do everything possible to keep this new party, no labels from generating a candidate. But I want to warn you, there's not much they can do about a Green Party candidate because Green Party has a lot of experience getting on the ballot and already has ballot lines in so many states. And Cornell West is not to be trifled with. I mean, you take a look. He, he has some very, very appealing language on his website and in his speeches. But if you believe in standing up to China and Russia, if you believe in a strong national defense, it, it, you know that that's where these third-party candidates turn out to be tissue paper thin. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. This first hour, we're taking your calls. The board is already filling up. I hope there aren't people saying, "Where's, where's Bo Snerdley? Who's Anthony Weiner?" Unfortunately, many of you know. <laughs> many of you know who I am. It's really a great opportunity for me to fill in. It is an honor. James is one of the all-time greats. I listen to him all the time, and this is a great honor for me. We have Nick helping me on the other side of the board. Avery's taking all of your calls at 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. A beautiful, somewhat hazy Saturday morning here on the James Golden Show. We'll see you on the other side. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC. And welcome back to the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley, is off today. Anthony Weiner taking you to 10 o'clock. And Cudlow comes in for a couple hours. Great Saturday programming. One of the big changes made here at 77 WABC. For those of you who have been around for a while listening to 770, you know that Saturdays used to be just a desert of paid programming and weird stuff, and that's what you get around the dial, usually on Saturday mornings. Now it's live and local. Perhaps you would prefer to have James Golden and Anthony Weiner, but it is a great honor for me to be here. We're talking a little bit about the news of the day, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. A little later I want to talk about what happened in NATO this week, some of the Biden stuff, some of the calls on the board want to already talk about Biden, so maybe we'll get to that earlier. And um, 800-848-9222 or at Rep Weiner on Twitter, WABC at gmail.com. So that's my kind of setup of, you know, why I think we're looking at the the politics of this bad boy all wrong when we're looking at 2024 and just saying Trump v. You know, that's the same story. They're both too old. They're both unpopular. They both have their liabilities. You know, you've got one guy who's under 70-something indictments and another guy who every time he walks up the steps of, a, of Air Force One, you're holding your breath. So it's not a great dynamic. You've got Democrats who say, wish you had someone else, Republicans who are saying they wish they had someone else, except when they do polls, then then Trump has never done better when he's put up against against DeSantis and these other guys. Um, and then there's this, this, this stuff in the background about about Joe Biden. 
And I talk, you know, I, I do a podcast called The Middle Unplugged. And I should call my show The Middle, and a lot of people say, oh, Wiener, you're not The Middle. All right, I'm not, I'm, I don't expect people to be, to, I mean, I'm not, people want hard left and hard right. I'm not that. And in this week's episode, I talk about how outraged I am, outraged, how upset I am about this notion that Joe Biden doesn't acknowledge this granddaughter that, he, that Hunter Biden had. Now, and, and I don't make the case, you should go listen to it. It's called The Middle Unplugged. It's episode 38. I don't make the case that he has any great obligation to do anything in particular. Family think dynamics are complicated. And Hunter, for the longest time, you know, has a has a tense relationship with the mother of this child. All I the only case I make is that when Joe Biden says, as a matter of fact, that I have six children, six grandchildren, he is not telling the truth. That is not truthful. I'm not saying that he has to go throw a party. I'm not saying that when he puts up when he puts up, you know, Christmas stockings and takes a picture of it. He just has to have seven, not six. I'm not saying there's any particular obligation except to be truthful about that fact. Because now we know it's a fact. Because in 2000, I guess it's 19, there was a, a, um, a DNA test that was done, a paternity test that was done that showed that Hunter Biden was the, the, the father of this child. But anyway, let's, let's go to some of the calls. We have a few people on the board. Rocco in Saratoga. Rocco, good morning. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Welcome. I wish James was in, but hey, we'll give you a shot. Thank you, pal. Hey, the FBI had the FBI had no problem losing your uh, laptop, did they? That's interesting. What do you mean losing yeah, your it? Your laptop they had. Yeah. But, but, what do you mean? Well, hold on, Rocco. Rocco, they 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 didn't they didn't lose my laptop. No, I said they didn't have oh. any problem. They didn't lose your laptop, right? They, they didn't but, lose Hunter's either. Oh, yeah, I know. But they said they lost it, right? No, they didn't. No, no, no. no that, that's, that's, that's mythology. You want to talk about the Hunter laptop? I, I can talk about it all day. They didn't say that they lost it. Did it take for them to go to his laptop? Five years. Five, a five-year yeah. five investigation. Did it take them to go through your laptop? Well, hold on a second. Okay. The, the, the Hunter laptop was public. What, what, what do you want to talk about? It, there's all kinds of information on that laptop. It's all. I remember you, you read Miranda Devine's book. So did I. I. I went page by page. It's all out there. Rudy Giuliani had it. He gave it to the New York Post. It's been read about. What do you? What more do you want? They submerged that. They submerged that. They don't break. Come on, you know they do. They, it's, the, it's the media. They they put put that on the back page, but they put anything with Trump right up front. Here it is. No Trump. Picks his nose on the front page. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden has been covered all over the place, including you know everyone talks about that that there was this effort to kind of to, to kind of shut shut the thing down. Do you know it was covered in the Washington Post and the New York Times and all the? The only problem with the Hunter Biden laptop is that when Rudy Giuliani got it, you know who he gave it to? He gave it to the New York Post and they said I won't give it to anyone else. Right, because they knew they take care of it. If the, if the feds had it, it would have been washed out. It would have been underwater. No, the feds. In- but, but Rocco, Rocco, just want to make sure we understand the facts here. The feds had the laptop. The only thing that the stuff on it was all about stuff that was embarrassing for Hunter Biden. But it turns out that 99% of that stuff was just embarrassing, not illegal. Oh, okay, so that embarrassing, fine. That's his personal business. That's uh, Hunter uh, Blowhard Biden Correct. and his dad there, ba- you know, Joe Baby. There was, but Yeah, but Rocco, hold on a second. Let's just make sure we have this all right. The fact of the matter is, is on the laptop, and look, I, 
I tried to be an honest broker on this. The laptop became public, okay? Everyone looked at the laptop. The FBI looked at the laptop. There aren't any secrets on the laptop because it's in the public domain now. Everyone acknowledges it was really his. Everyone acknowledges it wasn't Russian dis- disinformation, all that other kind of stuff now. Now, admittedly, some people some people thought it was at the time. But now that it's out there, all of these bank records that are in there, all of these emails that are in there, all of this back and forth, completely not ex- – no Hunter Biden never expected this stuff to become public. And so we can all look at it. Rocco can, I can, you can. And so what's in there? A lot about Hunter that's embarrassing, but the connection to Joe Biden comes down to one single email, and it doesn't even say Joe Biden's name is it in it. It's an email to Hunter Biden that CCs Hunter Biden, uh, not to Hunter Biden, between two other people, CCs Hunter Biden and refers to a business that never happened, that never took off, 10% for the big guy. One person in the entire United States of America has said that that person was Joe Biden. And when that when this guy Bobolinsky was interviewed by the FBI, by Fox News, by the Wall Street Journal, and they said, show us any evidence that supports that, all three of them have now come back and said they don't see it. So let's call it what it is. It's terrible for Hunter. And it turns out it's, 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 it's led to charges. But, I mean, let's not oversell it. Let's go to William in, in Westchester. William, welcome aboard. Ed, my complaint today, where the heck is the co-star of the 7 o'clock hour, Derek Hunter, man? Which one is Derek? Oh, Derek Hunter is one of Boesler's regular guests. Does he want to oh, come yes, on? Oh, 7 o'clock. Okay, my, my, my real point is, do you not see some irony in uh, your two of your major stories that the Long Island cops can solve a murder 10 years out, but the Secret Service can't solve a cocaine case <laughs> 10 days out? I'm, I'm kind of with you, William. I'm kind of with you. Here's the, here's the thing, and, I, I, and I'm trying my best to follow this case as closely as I can because they don't really give you all that much information. It look, the first thing that I thought about, maybe William, maybe you agree, how can you not have video cameras like all over the place in the White House compound? And as it turned out, they don't because for secure, for the, for security reasons and for leaks and everything else, they don't want there to be video images of everyone coming and going because they don't want it to be hacked or whatnot. Can I ask you, William, on a serious note? Who sure. cares? Who cares? Well, let's uh, let me put it this way. I because I was around during Watergate. I become a skeptic about almost everything the government says. So, do I necessarily believe that there is deliberately uh, no camera in the library or wherever it might be? Uh, I th- I think it does matter because there might be in the uh, in the White House not only possibly a president's son, and who knows, even perhaps the president himself might be a coke addict. And this might be definitely leverage for any of our enemies to exploit. Yeah, it could be. But, but first of all, here's the thing about the and, – and I appreciate it, William. Here, here's the thing about a conspiracy theory around this. Maybe hundreds of thousands – maybe that's an exaggeration – tens of thousands of living Americans have experience going in and out of the White House, working in the White House, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, Trump people, everything else. If they're saying something about the security protocols there that is not true, like, oh, there was a camera there when we were there, the Trump – then we would know about it by now. As far as whether or not um, Hunter Biden – it's Hunter Biden's coke. First of all, he wasn't there during this window. That we know as a matter of fact because we know who comes and goes to the White House – but assuming that it was, the guy is now – he's now, um, as a condition of his plea deal, has to 
be clean from cocaine. And when he's booked, he had to be uh, uh, tested. I know this because I was booked to, to, uh, as for federal crime. So do we think that Joe Biden is on coke? Frankly, it looks a little bit more like he's on Valium or some kind of some kind of downer. Maybe with a little something in his system, he'd have a little more energy. Anthony Weiner in for the great James Golden. I'll be here till ten o'clock. Eight hundred eight four WABC. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. And we'll see you on the other side. This is the Saturday morning radio. Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. And welcome back. Phil Collins bringing us back in. It's the James Golden Show. Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snerdly until 10 a.m. If you're just waking up and you think you've woken up in an, al- an alternate reality, nope, this is me. Great opportunity for me. I really want to thank Shane, James Golden for giving me the opportunity, for John and Margot Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez for letting me fill in. This is the time of year here on 77 WABC that the, the superstars of the station take a little time off and the AAA guys, guys like me that have an hour or two, I'm on at 2 o'clock this afternoon on the middle, and then left versus right with Curtis Leo. We've got an opportunity to fill in on the overnights for Frank Morano. got an opportunity to fill in for Sid in the morning a couple of times. It's been a great opportunity. You know, it's like it's like any other profession. You, you only can say, okay, I've got experience doing it if they give you opportunities to try. And I know, first I want to thank all of you for giving me an opportunity. I know there are not many things that James Golden and I agree upon. But I'm um, trying to uh, – listen, I'm, I, I try to – with things like the Hunter Biden laptop, which things like Joe Biden, you know, I'm not into politics anymore, and I don't have – I don't have any particular allegiance to the status quo, and I don't I – don't, I'm not afraid to say things that maybe I would not have said if I was going to run for office again or if I was still in office. And as far as the Hunter Biden laptop, I mean, the, 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 I have tried to, you know, one of the ways, you know, people say, well, you're not the middle. Well, one of the things I've tried to take is issues on face value, and I – uh, go beyond face value, rather, and and I think that the Hunter Biden laptop thing is a legitimate thing to look at. I don't think the left has looked at it hard enough, but I think that now we are at the point that so much about it is getting conflated and confused, and we've heard things all the time. I mean, like we we had you know Rocco's a regular listener, and hears about the Hunter laptop and thought that like the FBI you lost it. No, this investigation went on for five years. And the guy that led the investigation was a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney. And the, and the thing about the laptop is it was pretty transparent. At the beginning, no, um, one of the reasons why there was so much confusion about it is that no news organization was allowed to look at it. People said, well, why did they suppress it? It was a huge mistake on the part of Twitter, although Facebook only was like for a few hours, but Twitter was a couple of days to try to – Keep that information quiet. It was a huge mistake. No doubt about it. 
But one of the things that contributed to it is that they w- no one had the information. All we had was the New York Post. The New York Post wasn't sharing except they were seeing screen grabs from what was on the laptop. The whole thing looked really weird and sus. If you really wanted it out there, to let everyone look at it. And when they, when people, other news outlets asked to look at it, look at the laptop, you know, they were told, no, they can't. Now, I don't know how often that gets mentioned on these airwaves, but that's the truth. That's what happened. So you had this, this cloud around it. And then, but now that it's become, it's, it's out there. You can, there are websites you can go to look at every single page on the laptop. It's out there. And it's, the pictures get a lot of attention. The pictures are embarrassing. And the guy wrote a book in 2020, I think in 2021, I think he wrote the book, or 2020, he wrote a book, Hunter Biden wrote a book about his, his addiction and what, I mean, look, the guy, it's, if you're into seeing pictures of people strung out, that's, you can find them on there. But you can also find bank records. You can also find emails. You can find a lot of stuff. And now that it's out there, you know, you think that if there was something on that laptop that was a smoking gun, you would have heard it by now. So instead we have this cycle, and I was going to talk about this later, we have this cycle of, of well, there was an investigation that was started at the IRS, but they didn't let him go far enough. It was whatever it is. It's gotten so far away from the laptop, and also it's gotten far further and further away from Joe Biden. You've heard of Joe Biden, tens of millions of dollars from the Chinese. That's not any, that's nowhere. That's nowhere in the, in the, in the, I can tell you, it's not there. And even, you know, people like Miranda Devine start to back away from like saying that there's there, there. I mean, and so, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, but it is bad. If you're Hunter Biden, it is bad. It is bad. Let's go to uh, Sal in Staten Island. Hey, Sal, welcome back. Hey, Anthony Weiner. Anyway, listen, uh, you just stated that um, Hunter Biden's situation is horrible. It's only appropriate. He's a horrible individual. This guy sold drugs in the military. This guy should be doing life in Leavenworth. Drugs in the military lead to people in charge of that United States ship being compromised. Al-Qaeda ISIS coming in, taking the ship. And what even what big city police department or state Police Department SWAT team could stop American military power in the wrong hands. It would have to take uh, the U.S. military to bomb their own ship in the hands of Al Qaeda or other thugs. So, and so Sal, you think that Hunter Biden led to Al Qaeda taking over one of our ships? I said it could have, Anthony Weiner. You were never in the military. Your father was, God rest his soul, but you weren't. I was. I served. Even no, I was- know this. It's it, look with Hunt. What Hunter Biden did in and around his drug abuse and drug addiction was was bad, no doubt about it. And he had porno, kitty porn we, on that. I understand. And listen, there's you're not going to get any argument from me that the stuff that was on the laptop does not. It was not. I mean, I don't. There's no. There was no evidence that there was kitty porn on there. But but it's bad. Yes. That's not the the issue here. The issue is people are taking the next and the next and the next domino. Look, Al Qaeda didn't take over any of our ships, but people are saying that Joe Biden was somehow involved with this stuff, and he's the president of the United States. That I care about, and that's where the information is is just not there. You're saying, wait, listen, there's no doubt about it, and I want to say this that that just about you know my my laptop whatever had emails from my wife on it. 
Hunter Biden's laptop had pictures of him, you know, with prostitutes and whatever. People, if their laptops are taken, and if their laptops make it into the New York Post, it's not a good day. I get it. But we're Americans, and we're trying to figure out how this impacts our country. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And so was there abuse of power? Was there cover-up? Those types of things. These are reasonable questions. But the one thing that hasn't come, you believe me, you would know about it, that what hasn't emerged yet was anything on that laptop that ties back to Joe Biden. I mean, that's the thing. And let's go to Tom and Woodbridge. Hey, Tom, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, good morning. Uh, so wanted to uh, kick things off. Um, first of all, I just want to mention, uh, have you have you uh, heard of a scholar called Paul Craig Roberts? Does that name ring a bell? It does not. It does not. Okay, so basically he was the uh, undersecretary of the Treasury during the first Reagan administration. He's the father of Reaganomics, basically, but he writes extensively on uh, not just economics, but also uh, the police state overreach uh, of the uh, intelligence agencies, the law enforcement agencies, and particularly the FBI and how the agency has been weaponized by not just the Democratic Party, but the political establishment in Washington, D.C., writ large. And what do I mean by that? It's insofar as that it's not just simply political figures that are out in the open uh, that are just public figures, but ordinary Americans being targeted for their political beliefs mm-hmm. has been their stock in trade almost since their inception. Uh, I think it was in 1928 or 1925, I forget which, when the agency was founded. Yeah, so the FBI has a long, dirty, sordid history of targeting people for political as opposed to forensic uh, reasons. Now, I'll give you an example, um, because a lot of people today think that it's primarily people on the right uh, that are you know, just being <clears throat> inundated uh, with these uh, harassment campaigns, trumped-up charges – false prosecutions, what have you. But you, if you remember, uh, recall a little while back, back in the 60s and 70s, it was actually people on the left who were the primary victims of police or the illegal surveillance, harassment, stalking by the FBI and corrupt local police uh, agencies. I'm talking about civil rights activists, people in, uh, involved in organizations like SDS, SDS Students for the Democratic Society, uh, you know, just basically leftists in general. And there was one uh, woman that, you know, maybe you might be aware of her. She's a very famous actress, uh, Jean Seberg. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with her? I am. Yeah. I am. No, yes. but Tom, Tom, you are, you know, Tom brought a lot to the table, and I appreciate it. Tom, call us again. Look, there is one thing that left, right, and middle should agree upon is that we all should be very suspicious whenever we give the power of government the right to put handcuffs on us, arrest us, and throw us into prison. And the le- and the right is now on to this with the FBI, but Tom's not wrong. This has been go this 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 cuts both ways. In the 2016 election, with all of this conversation, J- James Comey, the head of the FBI, holds a press conference announcing and answering questions about why he didn't bring charges against Hillary Clinton in the middle of a campaign. Then they get my laptop. My laptop. And so, wait a minute, 10 days before the election, they had it for a month. 10 days before the election, they're, they're like, oh, we found new information. All of the emails on my laptop from my, from my wife, they weren't from Hillary, they're from my wife. They already had because they had all of my wife's, um, all of my wife's laptops and Blackberries and everything else. And yet they didn't have a press conference about an investigation that was underway, underway into Donald Trump's connections with the Russians. 
So this cuts both ways. And it's not just the FBI. It's not just the IRS. Anytime someone holds a badge, we as Americans who believe in a limited form of government, that's where the, the libertarian, that's where the liberal part comes in liberal, and that's what conservatives always believed. Whenever we give that power to someone, we should be very suspicious. So to, if someone wants to make a case to me that the FBI abuses its power and the FBI, should we should keep a very close eye on them, and then we give the FBI director a 10-year term so that no one president, you know, and then if someone tries to remove the FBI director, there's all this talk about obstruction of justice and everything else. We give them this unprecedented independence. And I have some experiences. I accept full responsibility for the things that I that that I did. No one in the Southern District of New York has ever gone to prison for obscenity before me. But I get it. I'm a politician. I'm a, I'm a big figure. They want to make an example. I get it. Donald Trump is a is a big deal. Hillary Clinton. These are these are these are people that if it's too hot and if it's too hot, stay out of the, the kitchen. But if you're an individual civilian trying to take on the FBI, trying to take on the police, trying to take on the IRS, we should all be very suspicious. Now, that doesn't mean that everything they do we should question. I mean, we should think is wrong, and it doesn't mean that everyone is corrupt. But if you're telling me that we should be very suspicious of the FBI, I'm with you. And left and right should be able to agree with that. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden until 10 o'clock. So honored to, that you're having me along. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. The board is filled up with now Biden. I didn't want to have just this conversation, but I'm glad we're getting into it. And we'll see you on the other side. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. And welcome back to the James Golden Show. Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly. I'll be here till 10 a.m. and then Larry Kudlow comes in. I'll also be seeing you all later on Saturday at 2 o'clock for my regular show, The Middle. And then Left versus Right with Curtis Lewa, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Nick is on the board. Avery taking your calls. We're talking about laptop revisionists. We're talking about Joe Biden and the FBI. I want to reiterate how grateful I am for the opportunity to fill in for most early. A little bit of a change of pace. I get it. I get it. And frankly, you know, one of the things that ABC is committed to, and I'm the embodiment of it, is hearing different views and hearing different viewpoints. I am not. Oh, look, I mean, many of you may remember me from my days in Congress. I'm not that guy as much anymore. I don't I don't really like the side-to-side shouting as much as I used to like it when I went on Fox News and had those debates with Hannity and everything else. Or my good friend Peter King, he and I went at each other pretty hard. But I, I, 
I do think that part of the challenge that we have is that we have people who tune in only interested in hearing reinforcement of what they've heard before. That doesn't happen on ABC as much as it does on, say, cable TV because you have callers that can go back and forth and challenge the person speaking, and that's happening a little bit to me today, and I look forward to it continuing. If you, if you can't get a hold of a radio, wabcradio.com, obviously. Um, and again, um, we'll be here until 10 o'clock, and I thank you for the opportunity to join with you. So let's go to back to the calls. Let's go to Charlie in Hell's Kitchen. Charlie, welcome aboard. Thank you for taking my call, Congressman. The point that I would like to cite, however, is that during the presidential debates, then-Vice President Biden, now President Biden, cited this letter signed by 51 intelligence chiefs, and he said that what President Trump was saying at the time, that it was garbage and that it was Russian disinformation. I'm talking about the Hunter laptop. Well, we now know that it's not garbage, and it's not Russian disinformation, that it was accurate. And the reason why that's so important is because at the time, if the American people, if the American voters specifically knew about that, all it would have taken was 45,000 votes across three states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, to switch or flip. That is to say, 45,000 people who voted for President Biden had voted for President Trump. We would be in President Trump's second well, but, term. But, right Charlie, now. Charlie let, me just, let me just correct a couple of things here. First of all, Joe Biden was not the vice president. Well, he was a former vice president. Right, right? But, but what administration was in office at the time? Go, go, go ahead, answer your own question. The Trump administration was in office. Donald Trump was up for re-election at the time. That, no, that's correct. So, that's so Donald Trump had all kinds of, of intelligence officials, FBI officials, Justice Department officials. And let's remember what the letter says. Charlie, have you seen the letter? Uh, no, I have okay. not. Okay. I, I, the letter's public. Anyone can go out and read it. The letter says we do not know if this is Russian disinformation. We, it says that right in the letter. And what it says is look at these, look at these earmarks. 2016, when we know that there was an attempt by the Russian government to intercede in our elections and they did it successfully on behalf of Donald Trump. I'm not saying that. Donald Trump's own intelligence officials testified to that in Congress. When we looked at what they did, they did things in the last minute. This was the last minute of the campaign. It was in October. They did things. They did things through social media. And then they had a, a, a laptop that mysteriously pops up that was in some guy's place in, in Delaware that no one would has a chance to look at. No one could take forensics. No one could take a look at the forensics footprint, uh, 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 fingerprints on it. And all they said is this is how the Republicans, this is how the Republicans, forgive me, this is how the Russians did it in 2016. Be very careful in 2020. They said it to the networks. They said it to the newspapers. They said it to social media people. It did look very, very, very suspicious. And as far as whether or not if people had this information, would they have voted differently? Charlie, you're forgetting it was everywhere because it was because it was censored by Twitter. Everyone was talking about it. You could have gotten this a thousand different places. Most of the listeners to this show aren't even on Twitter. You could have gone and looked at at what the New York Post was publishing a hundred different places. So this idea that wasn't talked about is revisionist history. It was talked about nonstop, but no one knew anything about it because of the way it was distributed was so suspicious. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's that's not something everyone agrees upon. Steve in Rockland County, do you have a different recollection of this? 
Yes, I do. And uh, thank you for taking my call, Anthony. Uh, I'm sorry. You can have your own truth, but that doesn't make it the truth. The laptop was offered by Rudy Giuliani to anybody who wanted it. The left-wing media ignored it. They made light of it. They ignored it and turned it away. It was not made public by any left-wing media, only on Fox and other uh, right-wing, if you want to Fox, call Fox them. wasn't shown the laptop. No, excuse me, not Fox. Uh, WABC and, and their No, people no, like- no. The only people that had the laptop was um, Rudy Giuliani, and he gave it to the New York Post exclusively. You can go look at all the stories exclusively. And when other outlets asked for it to take a look at it, all he said you do is look at what's in the Post. It to the FBI when they raided his home? No, the FBI. The FBI, as soon as they read about this, went and got it. The FBI, the, the FBI went and grabbed a copy of this. The FBI had it. But I'm saying in terms of this being covered up by the media, um, no, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't given to the media. So we'll be back at the top of this. This is Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. It's been a good conversation so far. I want to talk a little bit about NATO, a little more about Joe Biden. I want to talk about suspicious activity reports, politicians' kids. We see you on the board. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. Thank you for the honor of having me along, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James Golden is on vacation. Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly until 10 a.m. It's great to have you along. It's been a great show so far. I want to thank all of you for your willingness to hear me out. I'm a little bit different than Bo Snurdly. I mean, we do bear a striking physical resemblance, but our politics are a little bit different. He's one of the best on the radio. I, You know, when I'm trying to learn this craft, I've still been on about a year and a half doing my show The Middle. Curtis Lee and I do Left versus Right. have been filling in a little bit more for other hosts. You know, look, there, there is a commitment at 77 WABC Talk Radio under the leadership of John and Margo Katsimatidis, like to, to have voices, to have different voices, to not be one hand clapping. And... um I might be an imperfect messenger for anything since I've got my own issues and my own laptop and my own whatever. But on one hand, I kind of have a I have an I I kind of have an agreement with people who are suspicious of law enforcement. I when I was in Congress, member of the Judiciary, Judiciary Committee, um, I was very pro law enforcement. Still am. But I recognize the limitations that are built into the system, that we give people with badges a lot of authority, we give people with badges a lot of leeway to investigate, and that it can be abused. If you'd like to get up on the board, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. As I said, I'll be here till 10 o'clock, then Kudlow comes in. 
and a little later in the afternoon, we'll be joined by uh, I'll be joined by Curtis Lee at three o'clock, and then the middle um, uh, two o'clock. I want to switch gears a little bit here. We can come back to the Biden stuff, but I want to talk about another element, another thing that happened this week that I don't think has gotten enough attention. There was the NATO meeting, the thirty-one media, the thirty-one countries of the North American Treaty Organization got together. And it is just amazing if you are concerned as I am about our two our two international rivals. You know, we can make this language hot as hot as you want, but Russia and China. If you think about where we were just a couple of years ago, and where Russia in particular is today, but so is China. You know, when if Russia got into the war in Ukraine, invaded Ukraine, thinking, wow, this will be great. NATO is weak. This is a chance for me to go back and put the USSR back together and to flex my muscles on the world stage. Well, now NATO has two additional countries, Finland and Sweden, were added. And the coalition has arguably never been stronger. You've got things going on that never happened before. You had Turkey who finally agreed to the admission of Sweden. A Muslim, the 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 lone majority Muslim country in NATO. You've got countries that had been basically on in NATO, but you know not doing what we would hope that they would do. Countries like Germany, Germany sending tanks. This is Germany. We know their history. We know their we 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 know that their their whole structure of government is about about not being having a muscular defense, about not you know you know because of their history. And now, you know, a communique signed by all 31 of these nations, not giving Ukraine um, membership, although they, they want it. And let's just keep in mind, you know, this whole notion, and some, some on the right have said, and frankly, some on the left say this too, oh, Russia did what they were, what they were supposed to do because Ukraine was going to be in NATO. NATO is a defensive organization. Countries ask to be in NATO because they're concerned about their own security. They want to be in NATO. Countries are li- you know, are dying to be in NATO because it's a defensive organization. They look at China and they look at, at Russia and they say, we want to join NATO. It's not like, like we're going out and recruiting. So there's been conversations. Ukraine has been, has been asking to get in. Why? Because of this moment. And everyone says, well, you know, I've heard people like RFK Jr. who was on with Frank Morano. Great interview by Frank Morano. But RFK Jr. does this thing where he says, you know, you know, we were moving NATO to Russia's border. Okay, well, what is Russia – if Russia takes over Ukraine tomorrow, okay, and then Russia controls Ukraine, then there are four NATO nations on Russia's border because that's how many NATO partners on border Ukraine. So this is a ridiculous argument. But from a perspective of U.S. national security and U.S. interests, a strong NATO is the best possible thing we can do. How many times have we heard people say, we can't be the policemen of the world, we the United States of America, we can't be the policemen of the world? 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, Anthony Weiner in for James Golan. And this is, again, and I like to say these words, it's something the left and right both kind of agree on for different reasons. There are isolationist elements of the left and right. So we can't be the policemen of the world. We should keep our resources here. We should protect U.S. lives. Let someone else do the fighting. That's what NATO is, man. 
So when NATO is is built up and strong and flexing as a defensive organization saying, if you come after one of us, you come after all of us, that's a, that's good for us because that and when countries like Germany are sending tanks and, and Poland is sending tanks, it's other people stepping up, not necessarily only the United States. Now, are we sending armaments there? 100% yes. 100%. But we're not sending troops there. We're not doing the fighting. Russia is our rival. If someone else, if they, if they, if if they invade another country and we don't have to go there, and um, thank God we don't. Mike Pence had a funny line the other day. He said that you know Mike Pence has been has been right on this. He's a hawk on this kind of stuff. But I don't think you need to be a hawk. I think left and right should agree with this. But anyway, so Mike Pence said at the beginning of the war. Russia was the second most powerful military in the world. Now they're the second most powerful military in Ukraine. He's right. If 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 the weakness of our enemy is means our strength, then he's right. And it's not just Russia, it's China as well. Because now China is isolated because of their tacit support and sometimes overt support for Putin. And when they had this communique that they wrote, that they all signed when they were in, in Helsinki, it not only refers to Russia, it refers to China as well. How these group, how this, this group of countries is going to stand up to aggression by Russia and by China. 31 nations, including countries like, you know, including, well, you, you know, all of the, the North American treaty organization countries. So, like, we, we talk a lot about this idea of, like, you know, our, our regional rivals, Russia and, and China. Well, here we are as now part of a, of a strong organization that is getting stronger. And, by the way, this communique that they all signed has long sections about the threats posed by China. I mean, it's milder than the references to Russia, I get it for sure. But it argues that China represents a longer-term danger. I mean, this is what this thing says that all 31 countries signed. The PRC seeks to control key technological and industrial sectors, critical infrastructure and strategic materials, and supply chains. It uses economic leverage to create strategic dependencies and enhance its influence. It strives to subvert the rules-based international order. This is the... This is, you know, between what they wrote about Russia and they wrote about China, this is 31 nations standing up and saying, one, we're growing bigger, we're bringing in Sweden and Finland, and two, we're standing up to Russia and China. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want allies all around the world joining together shoulder to shoulder, say we're standing up to these countries. So this whole idea, like, listen, China is a rival, no doubt about it. Russia is, you know, they attacked, they attacked their neighbor. But this whole idea that, oh, well, they did it because they, they, they thought NATO was going to attack them. NATO doesn't go and attack them. There's nothing in the NATO charter about attacking someone else. It's a defensive organization. So that happened this week, and it's, it's good. You know, I know, I know we like to, the politics of everything, you know, who's, who's up and who's down. That is good for America and good for the world, what happened this week. 
I mean, if, if even if you believe that, even if you're on the left and you believe that you're dovish and you don't want and and you don't want us involved in foreign wars, you still believe you, you of all of all listeners believe in the idea of having you know organizations that deter war, and that's certainly what NATO does. And if you're on the right, that says like a lot of voices in Congress do today. says we're, we're America first, we're non-interventionists, we're isolationists, blah, blah, blah. Okay, in that case, then there has to be some way that we make sure that there's not chaos and we're not losing to our enemies. Well, here it is. It's a military organization, but at the end of the day, NATO is a diplomatic firewall. Should we have flirted with Ukraine being accepted in? I think that, you know, since, geez, it goes back to when, 2008? Was it a miscalculation to talk about them getting in? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you can make just the same argument. You can make that if we, we shouldn't have been talking about it because it it upset Putin. You can also make the argument that if we had them in sooner, there's no way Putin would have attacked. You can argue it both ways. I think having less ambiguity is probably better when you're dealing with people like Putin. What do I know? Anthony Weiner in for James Golden, Talk Radio 77. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Talking about some of the good news of the week. And what went down at the NATO summit was definitely good news. And let me just say one other thing. You know, I am a little bit puzzled about what's going on in the Republican Party. Maybe our callers can let me in on it. What's going on in in the in the in the Republican Party that there is it's not an inconsiderable, you know, the Tucker Carlson's of the world, even the DeSantis's of the world kind of you know, basically are I mean honestly I don't want to be uh, are parroting what Putin says. Oh the you know it's the United States did it. <laughs> the United States, you know, over and over again, it, it, it was the United States saying, don't do this. That, that, you know, maybe there should have been more. Say- you know, the one thing you can say is that the, the Obama era response in 2014 to the Russian invasion of the Donbass region in UK, that, that was not strong enough by the whole international community. I think that that's fair. I think that's fair. That there were sanctions, but it wasn't the kind of situation that it is today. That maybe that was, I mean, that, that did give Putin the message that maybe, you know. But then again, two years ago, to, no, strike that, five years ago this week, you had Donald Trump standing in the very same place in Helsinki saying, I, I don't think that I think everyone's exaggerating uh, Putin. I believe Putin more than I believe my own intelligence agents. But, but, you know, so there were lots of missteps. But I think today the, the, the courage of the Ukrainian people, the weakness of the Russians. And the strength of NATO um has been the silver lining around what can only be described as a cloud that when you look at what's going on in um, in Ukraine. And let's go to Eric in Queens. Eric, what do you think, pal? 
Um, my uncle was a career officer in the strategic, with Strategic Air Command, which turned into the Air Force, um, and he was a, a war planner, among other things. And he would always tell me we should have threw a curveball at the Russians and offered them entry into NATO as a deterrence towards China and see how the Russians would have responded to that offer. I don't understand the deterrence towards China part. Well, why else would you want to have Russia and NATO? Oh, offered Russia. I'm sorry, I had Ukraine on my brain. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a conversation early on, you know, at the fall of the Berlin Wall and at the, at the, at the, 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 at the collapse of the USSR. Uh, this was discussed. It, you know, you're, you, you, you bring a very interesting point up, like how, how would it have been, how would it have been um, characterized? And thank you for calling. Um, there was a lot of skepticism, though, at the time, for obvious reason, there are a lot of memories, <laughs> you know, but having Russia and NATO would have been, would have been, in, it, it, it is something that historians have gone back and look at. Like, did we do enough to help Russia build itself up and to help the Russian satellite states build themselves up that are now countries? I shouldn't call them satellite states. The Russian, the former Soviet, so, you know, Soviet Socialist Republic help them build them back up more kind of what we did with the Marshall Plan after World War II. I mean, I think there's an argument for that. I think there's an argument for that. Now, that's a that's a counterfactual that goes way back. Um, now, but, you know, when you consider the idea that Putin harkens back when he talks about these things, he harkens back to those days of the all-powerful USSR and wants those days back. And you wonder if maybe that would have been the strategy. If the West said, welcome aboard, you're a part of this. But for so long, you know, NATO, it, the idea of Russia, of Russia as, a, um, as, a, as a rival, I think, made that hard to do. But you, you can certainly make – maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get Bill Clinton on or, or someone like that to, to answer that call. So this is the James Golden Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Anthony Weiner in for him until 10 o'clock. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's so great to have you along. A little bit of a hazy day outside, but we're much cooler in our area than we are in Las Vegas. 117 degrees in Las Vegas today. It's a gamble I wouldn't want to take. And we'll see you on the other side. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Right and- 
Welcome back to the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. James Golden is on vacation today. Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly until 10 o'clock. Simply Red bringing us back in. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You can also reach out to me at at Rep Weiner, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, Weiner, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. I think we have a Facebook page. want to express my gratitude to... Post Nerdly for letting me fill in his big shoes here today. Also, John and Margo Katsimatidis for keeping me in mind for getting these call-ups from the AAA. I get to do a radio show for an hour uh, every Saturday, 2 to 3, called The Middle. We'd love for you, all of you to join in for that as well. Left versus right, then me and Curtis Lee will and do a podcast called The Middle Unplugged. This week on The Middle Unplugged, it's a short one, and it's one that has been my least popular. It's episode 38. It's been my least popular episode. Um, I, I, I have a real problem with now that, I mean, for those of you who don't know this history, you know, I follow the, lap, the Hunter Biden stuff and the laptop stuff pretty closely. But one thing I didn't follow that closely, although I read his book, is this whole paternity fight that Hunter Biden has been in, because I didn't care, frankly. It's the son of a president. I really didn't care. But there is a thing that has bothered me. I'm not alone in this. I know it's a big deal in conservative quarters, but it is for me as well, that Hunter Biden is the country's grandfather, talks about his grandkids all the time. And he does that to be a contrast to his predecessor, who's, you can call him a lot of things, family values, was not Donald Trump's thing. But he, the president, even as recently as April, might have been even in May, refers, uses a specific number when referring to his grandkids and says, I have six grandkids and I call them all the time. And I didn't know that in 2019 there was a paternity test that established that Hunter Biden had this this young, uh, has a daughter, a daughter that was um, with someone that went during his drug addiction, he connected with. And I don't, I'm not going to judge that at, you know, whatever. That's between, that's the courts. That's between Hunter and his daughter. That's between Hunter. Hunter is not my concern by and large. It's my president, my government, those types of things. And my thing is, and not everyone agrees with this, but my thing is you don't have to do much, but you cannot keep saying you have six grandkids. That's just not factual. It's not true. And the example I used on the Middle Unplugged is that, okay, if tomorrow Donald Trump was in a – get a campaign swing in Georgia and he refers to his two ex-wives. You know, he was married twice. He does have two ex-wives. But he said, I was married twice. We'd go boundary. we say, no, that's not true. You can't just say that. This is no different. And, again, I'm not saying that Hunter Bi- – that Joe Biden – I keep doing that – that Joe Biden – has any particular obligation to act in any particular way vis-a-vis this grandchild. I get it's complicated. I get that he's just the grandfather. But as a matter of fact, he is a grandfather to seven kids. And to keep saying, I've got six kids. And here's another thing. You can't lean into this thing about being grandfatherly and posting pictures on social media of the six grandkids' stockings hung in the White House with care. It's the number that bothers me. Not that he has, and I had this conversation with Emily, who's the general counsel here 
at 77 WABC, and she thinks that, they, that I'm over my skis on this and it's a non-issue. I'm not asking for anything beyond an acknowledgement to stop saying a wrong fact. So I talk about that on The Middle Unplugged, which is a podcast that I do, episode 38. You can get it anywhere you get your podcast. Again, it's just my bugaboo. Maybe it's I've just lost my dad. I, I, don't, I don't know why it gets in, in and 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 Kitty says to me, like, well, who, you know, she also thinks it's not that big a deal. I just don't like the idea of that. I just don't like the idea of it, of saying that number over and over again. Now, you know, this came to my attention because Maureen Dowd, who's this columnist at the New York Times, and I can't stand. Um, she says, well, all these different things. How does it impact this girl? What are your responsibilities when you're a grandfather? I'm not there. I'm not there. Yes, I get it. I'm, I'm sure it would be very disorienting to know your grandfather's the president of the United States and keep saying that you don't exist. I get that. And I also get that while they were fighting about it, while Hunter Biden and this woman were having this lawsuit about it, yeah, then, of course, you know, you want to wait to see how that all works out. But now there's been there's been a paternity test, a DNA test, and it's been confirmed, and, and Hunter Biden in court documents now doesn't argue it anymore. It's now a fact. So that's the, this thing. So let's go back to some of the calls. Some folks still want to talk about other things Hunter Biden related. And I'm, I'm there with you. This is your show. I'm just helping out. Susan in Finger Lakes. Susan, thank you so much for holding on. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, you just said so many things or either you're very uninformed, ill-informed um, or you're omitting facts, which they call that lying through omission. All right, bring it, Susan. Um, now, first of all, yeah. Well, what about Zuckerberg? Uh, he said he's already um, publicly said that the FBI contacted him and strongly recommended not putting anything out about the laptop, allowing it that he should censor people that were um, trying to discuss it. No, that last thing is not true. The first thing is true. The FBI reached out, as I said this earlier in the program, reached out to dozens of media organizations. After what happened in 2016, everyone in the media was on high alert not to be used for Russian disinformation again. But they did not, and no one has ever testified to this in all the Twitter files. No one ever said the FBI ordered them to do anything. There's, well, so Paul, so Zuckerberg just said that to uh, Joe um, uh, um the, the, the Joe Rogan. Podcast. Yeah. And that um, now, by the way, that idea that Russian uh, interference uh, is what elected Donald Trump is totally false. Well, and hold you on, know Susan, Susan. Hold on a second. I didn't say that's what elected him. I said the Russians attacked our, our election for the purpose of helping Donald Trump. And as far as the Zuckerberg interview with Joe Rogan, I listened to it. Maybe you did as well. He he didn't say the FBI ordered him to do anything. Oh, they oh no! So they just uh, st- they just suggested that you know that if he wants to keep like his uh, status with the two no 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 hold on Susan and I'm going to let you finish but let me make you let's just I want to remind everyone where we were in the election of 2020. The election of 2016 was interfered with by the Russians, according to Donald Trump's administration. Okay, there was no disagreement. Every element of the intelligence agency agreed with that. And people were indicted for it. That was happening. So everyone said we got to be on high alert in 2020 for this to happen again. 
Because another thing the intelligence agencies all doing, and remember who's, who was in charge of the intelligence agencies when this was going on. It was not Hillary Clinton. It was not James Comey. It was Donald Trump's appointees. Okay, so they had no reason to want to help in any particular way anyone else. They were going out to media organizations all around, taking information that they had collected and said, let's not have this happen again. And all of what happened with that laptop was so suspicious, they were just going out and reporting what they were finding. Go ahead, Susan. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, you know, Donald Trump was, um, you know, misled by Christie and got in Ray. Ray has, they were constantly uh, uh, in the background, um, not helping Trump. If what about the, all right, you're going to blame it on Christie, who wasn't even in the administration at the time. I mean, what about the NSA? What about the CIA? What about the National Security uh, um, Council? All of Donald Trump's infrastructure around around um, intelligence lined up in Congress and said this happened in 2016, and here's what we're doing to try not to have it happen in 2020. It was a report by the bipartisan U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee. I mean, this whole idea of, my God, someone was out to get him. No, the Russians attacked us. It's a fact. The Russians attacked us as confirmed by Donald Trump's intelligence. Oh, well, he he was fooled. He was duped. He was he was too dumb to, to figure it out for himself. No, the agencies knew what was happening, and they went out and said to all these media organizations, be on the lookout for this. So when something real came across, the Hunter Biden laptop, a lot of people are like, wow, this is too suspicious looking. And they weren't wrong. And the letters didn't say don't broadcast it. They said this is the information that we have. It looks very suspicious. It looks like Russian disinformation again. All I'm doing is reporting what is in the public domain. I'm not like, I don't know. Maybe if I get something wrong, call and tell me. But nothing Susan said that I said wrong, I had actually said. 800-848-WABC. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, people want to talk about this. I am here for you all day. If you want to talk about Ukraine, I'm here for that. If you want to talk about anything else, um, I appreciate this. It's your show. James Golden is just letting me participate a little bit, and I'm really grateful for that opportunity. We'll see you on the other side. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. And welcome back to the Saturday morning 
Uh, you're almost a music extravaganza, radio extravaganza. James Golden is off today. Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly. Be here till 10 o'clock. Larry Kudlow comes in at 10 a.m. If you miss any part of the show, you can get it as a podcast on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You can always catch us every week on WBCRadio.com. If you haven't downloaded the app, I encourage you to do that. You can get, get access to the program wherever you are. Hopefully, you're enjoying a nice, relaxing Saturday morning. It's not going to be brutally hot here in New York. It's going to be muggy a little bit. But compared to the rest of the country and the rest of the world, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Talked a little bit about third parties today, a little bit about Ukraine and the strength of NATO. But it has been the Hunter Biden laptop that has consumed a lot of the attention of the callers. And if you want to get on the board, I encourage you to do so. Avery is helping us out. Nick is on the other side of the glass on the board. And I have to tell you, I get widely differing feedback on conversations about Hunter Biden. There, There is a whole swath of people who reach out to me on text and who complain to me after the show. And they said, geez, no one cares. But whenever I talk about it, the board fills up with people who have who do care, who are hear a lot about it. I happen to think I'm more in the first camp. I originally got into this. Like one of the very first episodes I did when I was doing left versus right and doing the middle and doing some shows on my own was a look, you know, there aren't a lot of issues that really do lend themselves to trying to see, all right, maybe there is space between. And, and I always had this argument, this, I always made this argument that the United States of America and our listeners are like a Venn diagram. And a Venn diagram, those are the circles that overlap. And you look for the areas that the circles overlap. It's called a Venn diagram. And that although left and right are pretty etched in stone in this country and that people have their ideology, and I don't expect anyone not to bring it to the table, that there are people in who are not in the middle necessarily that they don't know if they're Democrat or Republican. I had this argument with, with Sid this week. But they're open to the idea of like hearing what the other side has to say, challenging their own assumptions and seeing what's going on there, you know, kind of having a real discussion. You don't get it on Fox News. You don't get it on MSNBC or CNN. You don't get it. You don't get it most places on the dial. And sometimes, to be honest, you don't really get it here. You know, it's the same thing over and over and over again. So when the Hunter Biden laptop thing, I was genuinely interested. I said, listen, this is something that's being completely ignored by the left. And something they're talking about nonstop on the radio here at 77 WABC. So that's something's wrong. Let's try to figure this out. And so I like the third episode, the fourth episode, early on, I said, I'm going to try to learn everything that I can. I bought Miranda Devine's books. I went online and I plowed through document after document because they're available now. And this was after the dust had kind of settled. Like we now know everyone had conceded this thing was real. Everyone conceded it wasn't Russian disinformation. But what's there? And I became interested in it. And I guess I'm interested in the same reason that the board is full of people who want to talk about it. But I want to tell you what, that what I did is what a lot of people really should do about this subject is you can now go out and read about the stuff and separate out the we got a guy who says he knows a guy who thinks he knows a thing about a thing and the stuff that was actually out there. And some stuff is legitimate. Look, we just had a conversation just before the break about someone who thought, 
go take a look at what um at what Zuckerberg said. Go take a look at the Twitter files things that released all the in- internal conversations. No one says the government ordered anything. They were going around place to place nonstop during this period to try to make sure that we didn't have the same problems in 2020 we had in 2016. And so I've tried to, I've tried to do the best I can to separate the wheat from the chat. Now, where are we today? Where we are today is that after a long investigation of of years that started in the Trump administration and was was run by a Trump appointed prosecutor that the Biden administration could have easily if they wanted to slam the brakes on it they could have re- all prosecutors get replaced they don't all but they all have to submit a letter of resignation when the new president comes in because people want to put in their own US attorneys around the country this one Joe Biden said in Delaware, we're leaving this Republican appointed, Donald Trump appointed guy there. Let him finish his investigation. He has said no one interfered. He has said he can go wherever he wanted. It took a long time. And I complained about how long it took. And so today there are charges that are brought against Hunter Biden for for not paying his taxes and for lying on a gun application. And as I've said in previous episodes of The Middle, my show at 2 o'clock on Saturday, that I've heard both sides. I've heard people who are tax experts saying if we sent everyone to prison who didn't pay their taxes, the prisons will be full with people who don't pay their taxes. So usually what they what the what the IRS will let you do, so long as you're not doing like one of these things where you're lying or hunting, you know, whatever it is. And this guy, when he was discovered, he wrote a check a year and a half ago, he wrote a check over his back taxes. People say, well, no one would get to steal. That's actually from what I've heard from a lot of tax experts, that is what would happen. On the other hand, in my case, in my in my case, and I, I went to federal prison, in my case, the judge said, normally we would not send someone to prison for this. We have to make an example because you're an elected official. You're on the front page. The deterrent of having you go to prison, she said, you know, we knew you were dealing with addiction. We think you're doing a good, good job, whatever it is. So maybe what a prosecutor can say is Look, Hunter Biden doesn't pay his taxes. Or Hunter Biden lies enough, or we were going to send him to prison to make an example of it. So there are people that argue that to me, that have been prosecutors and, and folks like that. So that's where it stands today. And so there is an opportunity. The judge doesn't have to accept this, um, doesn't have to accept this deal. There's no obligation. The judge can say, I don't think that he's been punished enough. But the Republican-appointed U.S. attorney that did the investigation, who took forever to do it, Actually, we have a call on the board about how long it took. Let's go to David on Staten Island. Hey, David, welcome aboard. Howdy. I'd like to ask you two statements. One, your laptop was held for one month and Hunter's for about a year or two. Some questions right there. The second question, if Russia joined NATO, what is between Russia and China? Well, let me just take the the first part first because I'm not the laptop. T- technically, it was in the hands of the FBI for four years. I mean, they had it along, and and the FBI, and we keep talking about the FBI like they make decisions on what to do in terms of charging. They're 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 the police to our um, district attorneys and prosecutors. So they they collect the information. 
And then this U.S. attorney in in Delaware has had this. That's the other thing to keep in mind. They've, he's had this forever. He's been able to look at at you know all these different things that we've all been hearing about. He's had a chance to to look at it, and we've also had the chance to look at. It. As far as this counterfactual that was raised earlier by in a very interesting call, what would have happened in the world? How would the world be different if we had offered Russia membership in NATO back, you know, years ago when when the USSR collapsed? You know, would that have been a way to be a hedge against China? Maybe. But remember, when you're dealing with NATO, it's not just the United States that has to decide. Remember, in that part of the world, the suspicion of Russia was still was still deeply entrenched. Like there's this idea we can go back now and say, well, how would things have been different? Maybe it would have been. A lot of scholars that I have read, a lot of commentators that I have read, is if you want to talk about what led to this problem, it was us not doing more to help Russia get back on her feet after the fall of of the Soviet Union. So I mean, we can think about it a little bit, but now we're in a situation where it's, Russia and China together, increasingly isolated in the world, despite the efforts of China to spread their influence around the world with their dollars and with their infrastructure projects and everything else and with their stealing of technology and things like that. These are our two rivals. And both of them are kind of isolated in in many ways with some big exceptions, you know, India and Israel, like people that have their internal politics. What would have happened if Russia was part of NATO? It's a, it's a fascinating question. I'm sure books have been written by smarter people than I about this. Let's go to – we'll do one more Hunter Biden call because Brian's been waiting a while. Brian in Long Island, go ahead, Brian. Hey, Mr. Weiner. I have to give you a great compliment. You are very intelligent, and I love your show. I love uh, you with Curtis. Uh some of those points about the Biden laptop have already been brought up. But please, in in the ideas of freedom of speech, I cannot understand with your intelligence, how could you I mean, if, now please don't cut me off. But how could you have done what you did and not realize that? And then you try to deny it. And do you realize you could have changed world history? This could have been the difference with Hillary Clinton becoming president and the what ifs of, well, if President Trump was in there, Russia would have never invaded. We don't know that. We, we can only speculate on the what if is the greatest question that a human being could ever pose. What if Russia was part of NATO? What if? Well, that's the problem. You can't go back in history and change history. But please, can and, and did you have secrets from Hillary Clinton on your laptop? What was on your laptop that was so... And I just can't understand for such an intelligent man. You only had a sex addiction. There wasn't any drug addiction. Right. Well, look, that's that's a lot before we, we, we go to the break. Uh, my situation was that I was interacting with people online, dozens of them, as part of an, an, an addiction, interacting with dozens of people on online. And so when they were investigating what was essentially turned out to be an obscenity case, they seized my laptop. And we, you know, I say seized it. They asked for it. There was a court order. We handed it over, handed it over my phone and everything else. So they didn't find any information on my laptop that was connected to my case. But when they were looking at my laptop, they found emails from my wife um, that were on my laptop. That uh, essentially what had happened is one of her old devices had backed up. 
it was it had backed up on on my laptop. It was back when we had Blackberries, and Blackberries they didn't back up to the cloud; they backed up to the laptop. So when they seized this part of the investigation of my case, they immediately saw whoa. All this stuff from Huma Abedin and emails from Huma Abedin included emails from Hillary Clinton. And remember, at the time, it was like, where, you know, where are these missing emails that that Hillary um, had deleted because they were her personal emails? Like, as we all, when we go through our laptops every day, there are some emails that we click delete on. She had done that. So that was well before they, they were holding on to this laptop. The FBI had it. They had it. They had it. They had it. They were trying to get out the word that they had this because they thought something was on there, and they were very the, – the FBI here in New York, very pro – very pro-Trump, handed – you know, told Rudy Giuliani what was on there and everything else. But the, the U.S. attorney was like, someone has to take this information from us, get it to the Justice Department, figure out what this is, and they sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. Now, they eventually found out what they knew immediately anyway was that these are just dupes of what they already had. They already had my uh, former wife's devices. So there's nothing new there. So this whole idea, Anthony Weiner's laptop was different. Now, why did they hold my laptop to the very last second? Why did Comey go hold a press conference when his own people had already said these were duplicates? Why did he announce we're reopening the investigation when, you know, he could have just waited, he could have just called up someone and said, is there anything new here? Why, when he testified before Congress, did he lie about how many were on there? Because he knew it made him look bad to say that there were no classified documents on there at all? That's something you got to ask someone else. So that's the short version of my laptop. And to be honest with you, it's the first time I've been asked on the radio about it. Isn't that amazing? Um, so that's the short version of it. And we'll be back after the break for more of the Saturday morning um, radio extravaganza. James Golden, Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly today. It's been a great conversation. Hope to see you on the other side of the break. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the Saturday morning radio extravaganza with James Golden, Anthony and Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly. One thing I told Nick, who's been super helpful getting us through this day, he's like, "Let's do, let's do Bo Snurdly's music," because I know as much as it's jarring to have Anthony Weiner instead of Bo Snurdly, let's at least keep his great music intact. And it, it is that's what's great about about Bo, particularly this block of time that he does on Saturdays. Sometimes it doesn't get enough time to breathe on his weekday show. 
but the music is excellent. I know there's like dancing that goes on. I walk in and Avery says, you want to dance? I'm like, Avery, that's not my deal. But it is great to have all of you along. I appreciate. You know, it's funny. I, I get when I when I fill in for other folks, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And I'm letting you a little bit in because I, in many ways, you all, the listener, are much more experienced with the radio here than I am. Right? I've been doing it about a year and a half. Interestingly, when my career blew up the second time and uh, ultimately led to my bottom that led me to prison, um, I was actually doing some fill-ins on the old WABC and was in some talks with them about having a regular show there. So I'm not completely unfamiliar. I mean, I, and radio is – I grew up with radio here in New York. Uh, you know, I'm 58, going to be 59 in September. So ABC as a music station was part of my upbringing, talk radio, people like Curtis and Grant and these other people like you – know, so. On that side, on you, the listener, on that side of the radio, I kind of have some experience. But doing it from the inside here, I, I don't have a really good center of gravity. Like I turn to people like Curtis gives me some really great advice. was on with Dominic Carter last week. He gave me some great advice. John Katzmatidis always gives excellent, like kind of like. And, and the big question that I always have is that when people tune in and they say, all right, Anthony Weiner, I don't agree with that guy. Never have. Don't like him. Or sometimes people on the left said, that guy, he screwed up. He gave us Bill de Blasio and messed up and gave us Donald, whatever it is, Donald Trump. And then there are other people who are like, okay, it's a little bit of a change of pace. I want a little bit. I don't want the same thing every day. I don't know which represents the best business model. I know from the perspective of, of the radio station here, everything that they have done. I mean, John says it all the time. He says, just go out there, common sense and the truth. Those are the things that we're looking for. Now, when you're on an opinion station, people can have all kinds of different opinions. So who knows what the truth is? You know, there are lots of religions that – lots of uh, spiritual people who believe that there's no such thing as one truth. Only God knows the truth. Everyone else just has a perspective on it. But putting that aside for a moment, <laughs> put aside God being the only knower of truth. But And so when I come in and I fill in for different folks, the – the reaction is often the loudest voices, the voices on social media and whatever it is are, ah, this wiener's a bum. Get him off my radio. But then we can look at things like, you know, how many people are tuning in on, on, the, ra- on, on the streams and whatever it is and what kind of interactions are we getting in other elements of social media. And people seem to be like, okay, I'm open to hearing other opinions. Not to saying that I'm a particularly good messenger of any opinion because of how flawed I am as a messenger. Um, but I know that I always find it very interesting – when there are different viewpoints on the air. But I want to hear what you have to say. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit after the top of the hour news break. But I'm just really grateful for the opportunity because in today's media world, generally speaking, people that create media want an opinion on a particular side. There's not a lot of room for people who want to depart from that orthodoxy. And so here at 77 WABC, when there are opportunities like the one that presented itself today... I do appreciate the idea that other voices are getting out there. Again, not to make myself the arbiter of any particular position, or maybe there are better voices you can get, but I appreciate the response that I've gotten so far. We're two hours down, another hour. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. 
So great to have you along. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Hour 3 of the Saturday Morning Radio Spectacular with James Golden. This is Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly. I'll be here with you until 10 o'clock when Cudlow comes in. 800-848-WABC is how you can call us. 800-848-9222. Avery will put you up on the board. Nick on the other side of the glass helping me out. Really honored to have this opportunity to fill in for one of the radio greats. Program I listen to every week. Listen to it for the music. Listen to it for James Golden, who is a a pro that I can learn a lot from, wbcradio.com if you can't get us on the radio. And you can always get this as a podcast if you want to reach me directly at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R. I'm on, I'm on threads. I think it's called Anthony D. Wiener. I have like four followers. I don't know because I'm not an Instagram guy. Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. And if you miss any part of this program, it comes out as a podcast. It'll come out sometime shortly after the program goes off the air. It's great to have you along. We've talked a little bit about NATO, about third parties, a long conversation about the Hunter Biden laptop, and now we've kind of lapsed into a little bit of this meta conversation about what it means to be on the radio and whether being oppositional is the right way to go or just do we all go and just listen to the things that we agree in? Is that the better way to do things? Um, it's not. These aren't binary questions. I know the decision that has been made here at 77 WABC is have a diversity of voices, even when some of them, like mine, because I am, while I'm frequently confused for Bo Snerdly, his positions and mine are pretty much opposite. Um, but I know the philosophy here under the guidance of John Katzmatidis and Chad Lopez and Margo Katzmatidis. It's like basically get more voices out there. This is New York City. This is the New York City metropolitan area. We have a, a reach with our 50,000-watt channel, clear channel sound, to reach a, a large portion of the country, arguably the furthest reaching radio station in the country. And so we can't all be one thing, so let's get some other voices, and I'm one of those other voices, for better or for worse. I know a lot of people on my side of the aisle are like, oh, we don't want that guy talking for us. But let's get back to calls, because some people are accepting this invitation to have this kind of conversation. And Bernie's been waiting a while in Staten Island. Bernie, thank you for holding on. Mr. Weiner, instead of a glib politician discussing these issues with people who call in for two or three minutes, Every year on your program, who have no inclination or time to study these issues as well as you have, why don't you discuss these issues with Mark Levin, Mr. Giuliani, Mr. Kelly, and others? Why don't you discuss these issues with them? I appreciate that. I, I welcome the opportunity. As a matter of fact, we, do, we were just having this conversation here at the station, and I appreciate your call, Bernie. Um, I don't have any problem. I look, it's always good. One of the reasons I went on with Sid this week and we argued about some of these things is for just that reason. I think it makes good radio and maybe, I mean, that's, I'd be glad to. I, I mean, I've, I've made it very clear here at the station that I like to go on with the other one. I admire them all. 
and I and I have good relationships with them all, and so I'm I'm pleased to do that. I think that's that's a great idea. Let's go to Frank in Pennsylvania. Hey, Frank, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for taking my call, sir. Mr. Weiner, I just want to ask you a question, and I'm, I'm I just first time caller. I, I I just want to know what is truth. Okay, in this is this day and age, it seems like the, the lies are over, overcoming the truth in this country. Why why all these politicians have to lie to get power? Well, it's a good look, in, in a way, Frank, it's the big question of life, right? What is truth? <laughs> you know, I mean I don't but I will I will say this. It used to be that politicians despite their reputation, would not lie because being caught in a lie could end your career. Like we didn't – I think it wasn't a thing as much in the past. Now, one thing I will say before I go into where we are today is there is a big difference between someone that says something that they believe that other people disagree with and a lie. I think lie is a hot word. Lie means that you know what you said was wrong and you said it anyway. Now, why does that happen? And I agree. It happens more today than I think ever happened in maybe in American history. And I think it's because of the Internet. I think that there are enough people who will say things enough time in this anonymous kind of squishy environment of the Internet that if they say stuff long enough and hard enough that other people who will come to believe it even though it's wrong. And I think that people then go and repeat those things. I think that when someone calls up and says to me something that they had heard over and over and over and over again to a point that they had come to believe it is not the same thing as a lie. And so so do politicians say stuff that is just not true? I think that happens. I think you get called on it. I think you get busted for it. I think voters care. But I think what more commonly happens in today's media environment is that stuff gets repeated over and over again that other people don't challenge and that don't get fact-checked. And that's the final point I want to make, is that there used to be a time that when media was a relatively controlled thing, meaning there weren't hundreds of thousands of different outlets, they always like you had the three TV stations at night, you had the major newspapers, You had editors and editorial desks that made sure you had things kind of right, that there was some fact-checking going on, there was some sourcing going on. Well, nowadays on the Internet, when someone can just tweet something out, um, it doesn't go on that way. And what very often happens is that others in the Internet say, well, it was reported there, I'll go ahead and put it in my paper, whether it's truthful or not. And that, I think, is the problem. I don't think that politics – that's why I think I, I, I reacted so viscerally to this, this Joe Biden thing about his grandkids, because it is a knowable binary yes or no is a true fact. No opinion involved. You know, we've talked a lot about different people's opinions about, you know, what should or should not have been done with the Hunter Biden laptop, et cetera. But there are some elements in the world that are just – don't lend themselves to interpretation. Some people have argued to me about this President Biden thing with his grandkids. Oh, it's open to interpretation what a grandfather is. Mm-mm. It might be how you are a father to someone and how you do that job and how you interpret your role. But we now have technology that allows us to say as a matter of fact, 
there's this additional grandkid in the world. But it's a good question. How do we figure out what truth is? It's not easy. And then there's the spiritual element of this. Because maybe there is no absolute truth. Maybe only God knows the truth. Maybe all of us are just looking at things from a certain perspective and 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 the great enduring mystery of, of the universe is, you know, that only God knows the truth. Let's go to Max in Port Washington. Hey, Max, thanks for joining us. Hey, Mr. Wayne, uh, thanks for taking the call. I got to say, I only got into politics when Obama came and into office. And I got to say, he was the worst president of my lifetime. I'm African-American until Biden came along. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be honest. I despise liberals like I do pedophiles. The same. How, how, are we, how, how can you accept a president who oozes weakness? He trips over his feet. He mumbles. He shuffles his feet. He's obviously corrupt. They're, they're, they're country hopping, and they're collecting bags of cash. He doesn't give interviews to the opposition, not one. And we're not even talking about – we're not even going to – Who's, 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 who's the opposition, Max? Just Fox News, anybody, so, anybody. So you, so you see Fox News as the opposition? Opposition to Joe Biden. Well, but is that their job? No. No, no. Any, but he doesn't give interviews to anyone that's going to give him a tough question. Is my point? How are Democrats okay with that? Well, with hold on. See, he just stood up. He just said, "You, you gave me a lot there." So let, let me try to catch up with you a little bit, Max. And I appreciate you calling. He just did an open press conference in Helsinki that I think ran almost an hour. I got a lot of really tough questions and was very direct in ways that most presidents have not been direct and seemed pretty sharp to me. As far as should you give interviews to Fox, I always did when I was in Congress. And I I remember getting a, a call that Nancy Pelosi wanted to talk to me. She was the... I think I was in the majority then, a minority. I don't know. We were. I was in the minority most of the time. I was there. We were in the majority for a brief time, and she she called me, and it was during the healthcare debate when I was on a lot of different places, and she says, um, "You know, it doesn't help us that you're constantly appearing on Fox." And she didn't say you can't do it. She had no power. You know, everyone thinks the speaker has enormous power. They have no power over you. I mean, they, they can't take away your desk. They can't take away your salary. They can't take away your staff. There's nothing they can do with you. But Nancy was very good at appealing on the sense of team. Like, we have to stick together. And I said, well, I believe in the idea that you don't just have arguments or conversations with your friends. You have conversations with people who might not who might be hostile to you and in the case of healthcare reform i believe in these issues and i don't have any problem in just the same way i had town hall meetings all throughout my district and for those of you who are unfamiliar with my district i represent some of the most conservative areas in new york city glendale ozone park broad channel parts of rockaway Glendale, I mean, the, I represent some very conservative, the, the, the actual house that Archie Bunker, you know, in, in all in the family, that's in Glendale. That was in my district. I represented, you know, districts that went 80% Republican. So, and I would go to those places and I would engage people and have these kind of, and people would walk away, not saying I'm going to vote for you, Wiener. They'd say, you know what? I got to give you credit. You came here. You didn't ignore us. You listened to what we, ha- we have to say. And I said to Nancy Pelosi, that's my same philosophy. And I think that if I'm Joe Biden, and I've said this on my show and I've said this on my podcast, 
there's no excuse for him not debating even his wacky opponents. I think you, you, you give every, and I say this to Donald Trump too. If, if they, if they show you, if they throw you tough opponents, you show you can tackle tough opponents. They show you wackadoo opponents like, like Biden has, then they show you can tackle that too. You can deal with that. So in terms of that part of the question, I agree that Joe Biden should give interviews on Fox, but I think it's telling that Max was like, you know, your opponents. That's the way we are today, right? We have made you the most powerful cable network, maybe the most powerful media network in the entire country, is defined by their viewers as the opponent of the White House. Where do we get to that? Now they're like their opponent. Now, listen, we know they're, and I don't mind anyone having a political opinion, but a news organization, why don't you give a, no, he should give, he should basically take all comers. I mean, look, these are, I don't know. Let's go to Don in New Jersey. Hey, Don, thanks for joining us. Hey, Anthony, how are you? I've heard you off and on since, I think, the Imus days, if that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I was on with Imus. And not to blow smoke at you, but you're, I'm a conservative since I was a kid. You're one of the few people that I think is smart. I mean, one of the smartest people on your side. So my thinking is, can you really believe the things that you say? I mean, we're about the same age, and I've always grown up knowing that people respond to incentives. And it seems like the things that your side does is so perverse with the incentives that you're encouraging people to do the wrong thing. Um, and I saw a tweet this morning, Rob Reiner, saying, Joe Biden, best president ever. And I just, you know, I can't wrap my head around the fact that the country is a disaster right now compared to what it was like in 2020 and before. So can you help me out with that a little bit? Well, sure. I mean, why didn't you? But I'll, I'll let you put a little meat on that bone. Like, in what ways is it not? Right now? Yeah. Okay, I'm a school teacher. I teach high school special ed. And my students under Obama could not find a job to save their life. The four years of Trump, they could get a job without even hardly filling out an application. They were so needed for jobs. Um, I travel 35 miles each way. My bill for gas has gone from $40 to over 100 per week. Things in the store, I have a painting business on the side. I'm kind of busy. And uh, I've noticed that a lot of things cost double what they did just four years ago. Some things are you know, similar to what they were then, but some things have almost doubled in price. Yeah. My re- my retirement account is now worth probably 15, 20% less than it was after working hard to save that money for 30 years. Well, I mean, look, Dan, you, you bring up some good stuff. Let me, let me try to try to address it. I, I think, first of all, that the incentives in politics are the same on both sides. You want to do things that are popular to be able to stay in power to then carry out the things that you then think are popular, right? So... The examples that you gave are not super compelling. Actually, job creation, you can go look at the numbers. The job creation under Biden, month at monthly average, higher than it was under under Trump. The jobs are now higher. The job, the, the job growth in our economy is now higher than it was before COVID. We had a period of inflation that was super high that started um, that started after we had a pandemic that shut down all demand. 
and uh, and then demand spiked immediately thereafter. We had supply chain, all these different things, but it was nine and a half percent just a year and a half ago under Joe Biden, and now it's three percent inflation. So I don't know if you're going to give him responsibility for prices going up. And as far as your investment account, I don't know if you've noticed the last six months or the first six months of this year, a 16 percent increase on, on in, in, in the S&P and a 25 percent increase in the in the Nasdaq. Now, maybe that's a little bit weird. I think I think that's in, I think that's inflated. Maybe that is an adjustment. I think you can you can make arguments that presidents help the stock market, don't help the stock market. But if you want to look at the average increase in each year, which you can do. Go compare Democrat administrations to Republican administrations. And the Democrats, the market always does better under under Democratic control going back 60 years. So you say, do people, do we believe what we say? Listen, these are these are philosophical things. And I don't have any contempt or mistrust about the, you know, when when I got married in and I was in, in Congress, there were about you know, there were, there were plenty of Republicans that wound up getting it, that were invited to my, my wedding reception in Washington. Like, it's like, I had lots of, one of the first guests I had was Jason Chaffetz. Jason Chaffetz and I used to do issues together. I understand and value the idea that in order for me to have a voice, I have to know who the other side is and I have to understand their stuff. I think they're wrong, but it's not dishonorable to disagree with someone. And if someone wants to, Come on and say, no, I don't think any time this morning have I taken someone's viewpoint that was opposite to mine and dismissed it. Uh, I've tried to address it and say, here's what the other side of that of that is. And by the way, if being of service by by teaching special ed kids, I don't care what your politics are. You're doing service. You're doing God's work. You're, you're someone who who I, I, I honor. Um, but I don't think that people say stuff that they don't believe. I don't think that happens. And I think that once we get to the point where, listen, people disagree with one another about how to approach things. But this idea that there's something not as worthy as someone who disagrees with you because they thought Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump was a disaster handling COVID and made the economy much worse than it needed to be. I mean, that's my position. Someone wants to come on and say otherwise. OK, they, they can. But that's my opinion on things. Um but I completely honor people who believe different things. Now, I do think that we have to um, have some agreement on what things are facts and what things aren't. So, and and I that's why I try to quote facts whenever I can, and I get stuff wrong. But it's a great call, Elizabeth. A great look. This conversation, I don't mind this conversation of like, are people telling the truth? Are they doing it intentionally? Should they be debating in different places? I'm here for that. Because I think we don't have that conversation enough, either here or in other places. And I'm so honored to have the opportunity to fill in for Bo Snerdly today to be able to do it um, here. I'm going to be back at 2 o'clock for my show, uh, The Middle, then Left versus Right with Curtis Lee at 3 o'clock. But I'm taking you all the way to 10 o'clock, where we still have another 40 minutes or so before Larry Kudlow comes in. It has been a huge honor for me. Thank you for sticking around, and I'll see you on the other side. Extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
Welcome back to the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza with James Golden. Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly. It's been a great show so far. I'll be here with you until 10 o'clock. Then Larry Kudlow comes in. I'll be back later for the middle, my own show, uh, from 2 to 3. Encourage you to tune into that. And then Left versus Right with Curtis Lewa. Curtis was great on the overnight talking about this. Finally, the breaking of this case. I mean, he, he raised some interesting questions at Gilgo Beach. He raised some interesting questions about the corruption of the police department out there. I Things I didn't know. I always learn a lot when I listen to Curtis. Um, like I said, at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-A-N-E-R, and Wiener, W-A-B-C, at gmail.com, 800-848-W-A-B-C, 800-848-9222. A great opportunity for me. I'm so grateful to John Margo Katsimatidis and to Chad Lopez for giving me this opportunity and for James for letting me try to fill in for his very big shoes. I learn a lot when I listen to him, just the art of, of radio. Um, I learn a lot. And Nick has been great helping me on the other side of the board. Avery has been taking your calls. And the music has been basically the same. I told Nick, kind of make, don't shake up the music too much. But um, definitely the opinions people are hearing are a little bit different. But I really enjoyed this conversation. We talked a little bit about third parties and the danger I see to the Democratic Party of the emerging third party the Green Party, which you can make as good an argument. People talk about my laptop. You can make a pretty good argument that Jill Stein on the Green Party line in those three kind of blue Rust Belt states were the difference in the election, and now they have an even stronger Green Party candidate in Cornell West. And this no labels, this group is is going to come up with a candidate. they got a bunch of money. It's not clear, clear what they're going to do, but third parties, I think, in this case, are going to help out Donald Trump. We talked about that. Then we talked about the good week for NATO and the United States of America and our national security and our fending off the threats of Russia and China. And we've also had a really good conversation about the Hunter Biden laptop. And I just I got it. I got two texts that perfectly say the first one was, why are you burying the Hunter calls? Obviously, it's someone who's on call, who's on hold, who wants to talk about Hunter. And then someone else with a gun icon that says, I will shoot myself if I hear any more about Hunter Biden's laptop. So there you go. I would really, yeah, I have to sit down with, with John or Chad or someone to say, like, do people, is this an issue that people really care about? I don't mind talking about it because I think that too many on the left avoid talking about it. But now it's become such an insane obsession of the, of the Republicans in Congress that it looks like that's all that they're doing. And I and, you know, I, I haven't I haven't really leaned into this other thing that happened this week on that. And that, you know, part of it is that people say, oh, he got a sweet. Now, now they've gone away from the laptop. It's not really much about the laptop anymore. It's now he's getting a sweetheart deal. The IRS wanted him prosecuted more. We have these whistleblowers. How come he wasn't prosecuted more for not paying his taxes? And I said, I swear to God, it was a year ago. I think he was he could really go to jail for three things. One, tax evasion, two, um, the gun crime. And the third thing I thought he might have problems with is if he had done any of this lobbying as an unregistered lobbyist for these other countries, but those laws are pretty arcane. He didn't get charged with that. You can make an argument. I mean, I, I don't have all the evidence. But now the Republicans keep saying we've got this secret witness that's going to testify that Joe Biden got this. And Joe Biden, like, you know, I let a caller a little earlier say that bags of cash to the to Joe Biden. Okay. That's nice. And that's nice rhetoric. It, no, there's never been any evidence of that. So they had this witness that they said it's secretly informing 
the Republicans in Congress <coughs> about what was going on, who had this information about um, about uh, that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was involved in a quid pro quo with a foreign country in exchange for foreign aid. That's a quote from James Comer. They said they had this informant. And everyone was like, wow, who is this guy? Tell us about the, where is this guy? Let's finally, and he had a whole, I'm going to announce something big tomorrow, and he announced it. And then there was just a little bit of a problem that um, he said we've lost him. And not figuratively, he said they literally said we, this is, he goes on the, on the Maria Bartiromo show and says, we can't track down the informant. That's the actual quote. This is the chairman of the oversight committee. And then he goes on to say, we're hopeful that the informant is still there because he's got this bombshell information. And he then he says, these informants are kind of in the spy business, Comer said. And everyone went to, you know, Fox News went nuts with it and um, some hosts here at ABC went crazy with it and the Post put it on their front page. Um, and Comer explained why they can't find this person or why they can't. This is, And then he says, um, they don't make a habit of being seen a lot or being high profile or anything like that. And he says one of the reasons that Comer said this, he says, the Biden White House is intimidating people. So there's only one problem with all of this. This guy finally emerges, um, and it turns out that this guy that they had was an international fugitive from justice of us, the United States of America, that he was someone that was a, that was accused of spying, um, sell, and he was conspiring to sell weapons to the Chinese, and he was arrested in Cyprus, in, in, in Cyprus rather, in, in February, and then he escaped while he was waiting for extradition. The guy's a criminal. <laughs> he's like, just, just, he's a bad dude, and so like all of this now. So that's why he disappeared, and so now. These Republicans in Congress who had been dealing with this guy, they might have information on where this guy Luft is. I mean, he's accused in this 58-page indictment of conspiring with others in an act within the United States to advance the interests of the People's Republic of China as agents of China-based principles without registering as foreign agents, fired under federal, blah, 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 blah. Basically, you know, he had agreed to covertly recruit and pay on behalf of principles in China um, government officials including in 2016 while a former official was an advisor to then president elect now that's that's not that was Donald Trump so the point about this is that this is a hunter biden thing that has now gone so crazy that that international fugitives are calling up the republicans in congress and saying we have dirt on joe biden and he, they themselves are turning out to be criminals it's a long way of saying that this Hunter Biden thing is now spun into like near obsession on, on some, for some people, and for other people, it's geez, can we talk about something else? And I'm kind of caught in the middle with you, as, as the old song goes. And just I will, since there are people who've been waiting for a while, we'll close out the show with a few more Hunter Biden calls, and I will go with the side in my texts and emails who are saying, stop burying the Hunter Biden information because I don't want to be accused of that. I want to try to. Deal with it. That's what you want to talk about. My name's Anthony Weiner. I'm here for the great James Golden. I'll be here till 10 o'clock. We've been here on a, a hazy morning outside. I'm so happy that you're along. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be part of your morning. 
and look forward to seeing you on the other side of the break. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. The tones of Mark Knopfler bringing us back in. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden, Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snurdly for another 30 minutes or so. So great to have you along. The calls have been great. The conversation has been good. The board is full up. 800-848-WABC-800-848-9222. The tug of war. Too much Hunter. Not enough Hunter. It continues. Let's go to Richard in Texas. Richard, thank you for holding on. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to hear you. Uh, That call, you know, you're like a lawyer in a lot of ways, even though I don't think you actually have a law degree. Uh, Nighttime on Fox is definitely conservative, and I think if he was to be more specific, that's what he was talking about. I'm sure you would agree Brett Brett Baer is uh, a very fair uh, reporter for Fox. Brett Baer, that interview that Brett Baer just did with Donald Trump a couple weeks ago was the best I have seen in terms of like really probing the things that I have seen on any of the networks in a while. You're exactly right. They do make a difference, a distinction between their opinion side and their news side. Exactly. So I think that guy just worded it wrong because he's not as uh, intelligent and as astute as you are, which you are. And you remind me of the movies uh, Best Picture in the 60s, not the movie itself. But the title, you're a man for all seasons and a real conservative (laughs) agrees that you should be on the air because we believe in the First Amendment. And unfortunately, the other side doesn't believe in it as strongly as uh, conservatives. Now, I'm not saying they don't believe in it, but they don't show it as much. But a real conservative believes in the First Amendment. And to have you on the air is great. And you want to know how you do well on the radio and uh, what we are looking for, at least I am. And I think most conservatives are honest answers and sometimes by omission. Uh, you could look at that as uh, not being completely honest. And let me give you specifics and let me give you facts, not opinion. Way before October of 2020, the elections, uh, John Ratcliffe, after 2019, when the FBI for months now had that uh, laptop of Hunter in, he went on Maria on Sunday. He went on other Fox shows. I can't tell you if he went on MSNBC or CNN or some of these other outlets. And he's and I think you would agree John Ratcliffe is a decent man and he was head of the uh, national uh, intelligence. Would you agree John Ratcliffe is a stand up guy or you don't like him? Uh, I, I don't think I think he and I overlapped only by two years. I didn't get to know him while I was there. So I, all I have to, to go on is what I read. I mean, I don't I, I don't have any, any way to, 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 to judge it either way. But I think he was a congressman at one time, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm saying he and I didn't overlap in Congress, so I didn't get to know him personally. Oh, okay. So I, I but, okay. uh, but, but go ahead. 
All right. Uh, and I've never heard anyone say anything but honest about him. He's a straight shooter, in my opinion. Anyway, so he goes on Marie on Sunday, and he says the laptop was already uh, looked at. Now we're in 2020. Remember that, so that's important. They had months to look at it, and they know how to know if it's a real laptop or it's something uh, from Russia. So that's a fact, what I said to you. And if he that's said a, that, that, but Richard, that's a fact that's disputed by Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani says that he did not give it. He says the only place he gave it to was the, was the New York Post. Right, but the FBI in 2019 had the laptop at that time. Ratcliffe is saying that the FBI had the laptop. They went through it. He actually mentioned the FBI, and they said there is no Russian disinformation on that. It's a real laptop uh, from Hunter. He actually stated that on Fox after 2019. And if he was lying, then Ray would have come out and said that's not true. People have a way of forgetting things. So now we go all the way to October. So you're, you're just so I, I want to catch up the listeners to what you're saying. You're saying that bec- before this became public, a year before it became public, he was getting questioned about a laptop that no one in the public domain knew existed. I think the laptop did come out, and it came out. The FBI had it in 2019. The, um, it all came out. No, this was now all public information. It was mid-late 2020 when we were getting toward the elections. Uh, if I'm not saying, was it 2020 in the elections or 2021? Whatever it, it, that this year was, was 2020. All right, 2020. So it's still not October, but it's all out that they had the laptop, and he verified. No, no. Well, this, but Richard, let me just stop here because this is an important fact that you're bringing to the table. You're saying before the New York Post was given it by Rudy Giuliani, you're saying that Ratcliffe gave an interview about something that no one knew existed or after it became public? After it became public, oh, absolutely, you right. are completely right. He was answering the public misinformation that was going on on MSNBC and CNN and rebutting it. And he was on Fox Maria Sunday. Absolutely. Check it out. I am not making any of this up. And I'm surprised you don't know about it. But, you know, you may not because you may not watch Fox. And he I can't tell you if MSNBC invited him on or CNN. I only know he was on Fox, and he was on a few other shows after that, but he may have been on Maria's show that I remembered. So here's what, let me just just say, and I I appreciate it, here's what is suspicious about the timeline, is the timeline was that all of the information that was released, including the FBI's involvement of it, happened after this, this, um, this, the, the laptop became public, when the sole copy of it was given. Rudy Giuliani said he did not give it to the FBI, and he, at the time, said, I don't know if anyone else um, has it. Now, my understanding, from what I have read, is that the FBI said that when they learned about this from the Post, remember, the, the, the guy that turned it over said, I called the FBI about this, and they weren't interested. So and he, they it, took it from him. He did give them correct, a copy. He correct, had a few copies. Right. And, and by that time, the FBI but you're saying, had it. But hold on a second. But, but hold, all right. So you're saying that a different agency of government said they didn't have any disinformation. Dis- so you're saying that, that Ratcliffe had seen it, and he said there's no Russian disinformation on it, even though the FBI had it and hadn't, hadn't said that anywhere publicly. You're, you're saying that he had said it before. I got you was quoting the FBI, who had already now looked at it, because he's in national intelligence. He talks to Ray. He talks to the FBI agents. And before he went on Maria, he had spoken to the FBI, and they verified to him, because he mentioned the FBI. He said the FBI went through it, and now forensically we know it has nothing to do with Russian disinformation. And that's when he went on the show to dispel all these rumors and put an end to it. But because you have so much discourse in politics and with the media, 
that it's ignored what he said. And he mentioned Ray and the FBI. If he was lying, the FBI, Ray, would have come out and said, Ratcliffe is a liar. No, he he, here's anything. what, no, and I appreciate Richard, and, and that's, that's an interesting data point. But here's what I would say is the FBI throughout this time has said, uh, said that, that has basically said nothing, nor has the U.S. attorney that was investigating this. They sat very quietly and didn't say one way or the other anything about this, which is the way they function, in fairness. They they look at stuff and they said, we'll tell you when we tell you we're not going to let this. And they also didn't want to repeat the mistake that Comey had made in 2016 of talking about stuff. You, a, a prosecutor and the FBI, the, the, when the prosecutor makes a decision about what they're going to do, they make a decision of what they're going to do and they announce it in, in an indictment. If they don't indict, they're supposed to just shut up. So the FBI, the U.S. attorney, no one was saying anything about this except to say to confirm that they had gotten this this, and all the information had been collected by the FBI and the U.S. attorney. Now, you're bringing something to the table I wasn't aware of. I'll go listen to Ratcliffe, but I want to tell you, Ratcliffe is not dispositive in this in any way because unless Ratcliffe – uh, unless Ratcliffe, if, if it was he, he was essentially clearing someone when that's not his job to do it. But I'm, I'm fine. I can say as the FBI and the U.S. attorney, the U.S. attorney in Delaware was the guy in charge of investigating this. That was who in charge. Of it. I took a too long to investigate it. I admit definitely took too long. But it was his job to decide whether there was anything. Now, I remember something else. And I just want to make this point about this whole was there Russian disinformation? Was there not the letter of them, the 51 um, officials? which was done, I believe, for political purposes, says a couple of things that I think people are forgetting. One, we have not seen the the contents of the laptop except what was reported in the New York Post. They say that right in the letter. Two, we don't know if this is Russian disinformation. And then they go on to list all the ways that it looks that way. I just want to make sure we all understand that no one did nowhere did anyone declare from the top of the rooftops, but it did because of the timing, because of the contents and everything else. It did kind of, it did kind of look that way. Let's go to Brad in Poughkeepsie. Go ahead, Brad. Well, I think you're a real common sense uh, Democrat, and I'm really glad you looked into the laptop. But I think you're going to dig into it more because I'm kind of following up on just what Richard was saying. It's my understanding the FBI had the laptop before Rudy had it. They knew before the debate that you were just talking about that it was total mis- It was totally factual. And when the president, it's kind of funny to talk about the president's lie with the grandchildren. He stood there and lied because he knew for sure 100 percent that the laptop was not disinformation. Even if the FBI didn't have it at that point, the president knew that that was his son's laptop. And he stood in front of all the people and said that right in front of that debate that that was Russian disinformation. Here's proof. Now, it's also my understanding that those people were, had access to classified information. And the FBI did have it, so they knew it was not F- uh, Russian disinformation. So, well, 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 hold on, but, I, I, but, but no, but, well, look, what the FBI, the FBI did have it, that, that, that part is true. What the FBI did or did not conclude, we didn't find out any of that until the U.S. attorney a couple of months ago came out with his charging with his indictments of Hunter Biden. And whether it, it the, the, in a way, it doesn't really matter. It was... It was real. It was not Russian disinformation. But there were elements of it at the time that made a lot of people very suspicious, maybe even you, Brad, 
I mean, it comes out at the last minute. It's some a blind guy in a laptop store. I'm going to give it only to the New York Post. We're not going to let anyone inspect it to see if it's – I mean, all you needed it to be is Hunter Biden's laptop that someone else inserted some other stuff into. And before you know it, you've got a real laptop but with someone else putting stuff on it. There were plenty of reasons to be suspicious. Don't you agree, Brad? I was suspicious because I hate when stuff comes out just like that. So, yes, I was. But then I, I dug into it, listened to it. But answer me this one thing. You talk about the president lying. Was the president lying when he stood there in front of Donald Trump and said he thought it was disinformation? Or did the president, did Biden know at that point? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He but knew. I also think I, think I think in the debate he quoted the, that, that letter, the 51 person letter. He might have known. He's not. He, I mean, he hadn't seen. I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I can tell you, Brad, the problem was the same for all of us during that period. It's right before the election. A laptop comes out. And yes, it's obviously it had his pictures in it. I mean, look, it was clearly his laptop. But the whole question was, why not just give this to everyone and let the New York Times and everyone when the New York Times got it in last year in early first quarter of last year? And they finally had a chance to get the actual drive. They sent it out to a whole bunch of forensics experts and came back. Yeah, this is 100 percent real. Why didn't Rudy do that at the beginning? Why do, I can't believe that you haven't had a conversation with Rudy. And well, I, I swear, you're going to convert. You're going to become a Republican. No, no, here's what. Here's, here, here's, um, I was asking a rhetorical question, and thank you, Brad. The answer to the question is they didn't want this in anyone's hands that they couldn't control the message. It was a political act. He wanted to get his guy Donald Trump elected. This was embarrassing information. So he didn't give it to everyone. He gave it only to where he knew that he can get a really favorable reaction to it. And that was the New York Post. And then the social media companies, by banning it, expanded the story like to infinite degrees. Then suddenly everyone is like, oh, wait a minute. What is this thing they don't want us to hear? That's the part of this that I think that people don't think through when they say, oh, they buried the story. He would have got elected otherwise. Are you kidding? Everyone was talking about that story at that time. Everybody, because it was how often does something get outright banned on a, on a social media platform? I mean, you could always go get it a thousand different ways. It wound up the amount of traffic the New York Post did during that period was off the charts. The whole thing was done as a political act. They, it, everything possible could have been done to make it look suspicious or, as my son would say, sus. They did it. Just give it to everybody. And then this guy, Bobolinsky, no one talks about him anymore. That guy was interviewed. He would he went to he said, I got I've got WhatsApp messages that confirm that the big guy is is Joe Biden. So Fox said, bring it in. Wall Street Journal says, bring it in. The two conservative outlets. They laughed him out of there. They said they ran stories saying we don't believe it. Nothing in here can um, that tells that story. All right. It's been great. It's not over yet. We have another few minutes. I do appreciate this conversation. I learned something new. I'm going to watch this Radcliffe tape to try to uh, get that, and I'll try to have it 2 o'clock. I'll try to have it a little update on that, um, since, since that is, if that's true, that Radcliffe was out uh, saying that it was definitely not disinformation, then that's something. It's Anthony Weiner in for James Golden, and it's great to have you along. We'll be back after the break for the last few minutes of the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
You've been Rickrolled. Rick Astley bringing us back in. James Golden Show, Anthony Weiner in. It's my honor to be sitting in for Boston early this morning. We're about to wrap up. I'm going to read you a quote from John Radcliffe as you were uh, to um, Bartiremo. Quote, the FBI has had possession of this, he said, without commenting on any investigation they may or may not have. Their investigation is not centered around Russian disinformation, and the intelligence community is not playing any role with respect to that. And then he criticizes Adam Schiff, saying that uh, in this case, Adam Schiff saying that this is part of this information campaign and that the intelligence community has assessed and believes that that is simply not true. He was responding to something that Adam Schiff was saying. Adam Schiff was calling it disinformation, and that, uh, he said, that we're not ready to do that. He said, basically, the, the uh, um, Adam Schiff, who said the intelligence community believes this, Hunter Laptop is part of Russian disinformation, that's, that's not true. So, so the last caller was partially right, partially wrong. Ratcliffe was saying the FBI has this, they are in charge of the investigation, but we, the intelligence community, did not give Adam Schiff anything to with which to draw the conclusion that this is part of Russian disinformation. Hey, it's been a great... Three hours. It's been a great honor for me to fill in for James Golden. The feedback has been pretty good. I want to thank um, John Katsimatiz for giving me a chance here. Like I said a couple of times today, you know, this is the equivalent of someone being called up from the AAA late season to, to fill in in the big squad, filling in for James Golden on this show, which is hugely popular this show, um, was a bit of a was was a great opportunity for me, a great opportunity for me to spread my wings a little, to get some experience, to talk to a different audience. I'll be back at two o'clock for the middle, a show that um, that I do, where we try to find not necessarily agreement, but we find places that we can have conversations that um, that extend beyond just you know people blurting at each other across the aisle. Um, but it's a great opportunity for me. And I'm interested, you know, if people want to stay in touch with me, wienerwabc at gmail.com is where you can send me. If you have some feedback or if I didn't get to something in the calls or you think I said something wrong, I always try to have a segment where I clean up what I messes I might have made in previous shows. At Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R is my Twitter handle. Um, and this is, you know, the only way that we're going to test the theory about whether or not this really is a station where we're going to have these kinds of conversations to try them out every once in a while. And for the people who suggested, you know, go on, have conversations with Greg Kelly or with Rudy Giuliani, I'm, I'm there for that. I love, I have enormous respect for the other talent here. I listen, I'm a listener, an avid listener. If I had one of those devices that they test the ratings on, I, we would, our ratings would do well because I listen because one of the things I listen, I'm like, I'm like, you know, watching how other people do their craft. I have a lot to learn. Um, and sometimes I get feedback from listeners that is contradictory. Sometimes they say, like, but the Hunter Biden laptop, do more or do less. Sometimes I get inf- feedback that's contradictory. I did I did an overnight show where someone said you should have more guests. If someone else said that guest went too long, you just should take calls. People have different views of what they like. And what I'm trying to trying to communicate with my presence on the radio is that I'm learning, that I'm a work in progress, that although I have strong views on stuff, think that that does make good radio. I am not immune to the idea of getting something wrong or going back and checking something. And I'm also in no way feel threatened by people who disagree with me. I kind of like that. I mean, what would radio be? You know, courtesy when I do a show called Left Versus Right, and if, and if you're listener stars, you know, it's really not an accurate depiction of what goes on there. We agree on stuff more often than not. It's kind of sometimes we find ourselves reminiscing. We're from kind of a similar kind of 
history of, of New York. But I don't, I believe that without, without heat, there's not light. I didn't invent that. Without a certain amount of friction, you don't get the full story. And also, I want to invite other people into these conversations, people that maybe have a little bit of a different viewpoint or maybe don't feel like they, they just want to hear the same thing over and over again or really do want to try, all right, maybe I, I do have questions about these things. And, 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 and it's going to, there's a certain cost on both sides. There are people who are just furious at me for taking this position about Hunter Biden, about keep doing that, Joe Biden's grandkid. Um, I, you know, so there, there are sometimes I'm, I'm out there on issues. I don't think I'm a shill. I don't think I like do it just for ratings. And, you know, when I did a show on immigration and I said, I think we should build a wall as a form of compromise, left versus left and right. I meant it. It got me in, in some trouble and made so I'll never run for Congress again. I get creamed. But sometimes you do things to help extend a rhetorical hand across the aisle that I think uh, can be used. So I really appreciate the opportunity for those of you who joined us, who made the calls. The calls make the show go round. For Nick, who ran the board today and chose the music, and Avery, who fielded all of your calls. Um, I really do appreciate it. I have a lot of gratitude. And let me just conclude with that. You know, there was a call earlier that said, what would have happened if things worked out differently with you, and the history and whatever it is? I'm a member of a program of recovery that believes in the notion that I, today, am exactly where I'm supposed to be, that nothing happened in God's world by accident. And that brought me here at the last minute to do a fill-in for one of the, the greats on radio, on the most powerful radio station in the nation. And um, it brought me into this conversation. And for that, I am very, very grateful. And I hope that the rest of the day that you have is one that you get a chance to think of the things you're grateful for. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.